This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our great friends at Oro Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Western Los Angeles. Oro was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Oro was created to treat alcoholics and addicts with compassion and connection rather than control. We believe, like Oro, that treating people compassionately is the way to go when dealing with people like us. They have decades and decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. They make sure that your stay is a good one and that your detox is as comfortable as possible. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. Equine therapy, fucking sound bath meditation, yoga, surfing, and of course, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get well, I cannot suggest going to Oro enough. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? It is basically like having a sober buddy in your pocket. It is an app that helps you get and stay sober. And it's also a blue fluffy guy that you might have seen on Instagram or on social media someplace. It is an awesome app. They have a free sober tracker that tracks your clean time down to the second. And if you download the Your Sober Buddy app at the either app store or the Google Play store, you can get the free tracker for free and post your clean time, which we urge you to do. Also, they have amazing challenges. We've been doing some Sober Buddy challenges on YouTube and Patreon. I'm going to post the paper airplane challenge today on Instagram too. Go to YourSoberBuddy.com. Download Your Sober Buddy. It's, I like it. I use it every day. I think it's fun. I think you can too. It is available at the iTunes and Google Play stores, or you can check out their website at YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our good friends at Soberlink. Soberlink is an incredible device designed to help people stay accountable in their alcoholism. As we all know, addiction is ridiculously serious and it needs to be addressed. Nearly 15 million people in the U.S. have an alcohol use disorder, and that's just alcohol, not drugs. And only 10% of those get treatment. The Soberlink remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people to be more accountable in their sobriety. Dopey was started with open and honest conversations about addiction and recovery, and Soberlink encourages this to help rebuild trust and maintain sobriety. We've teamed up with Soberlink to create a healthy habits guide for those in recovery. Visit www.soberlink.com dopey to download the Healthy Habits Guide. And if you or someone else you know that can benefit from more accountability for alcohol recovery, you'll also find a form on that page to sign up for 50 bucks off your first device. And that is exclusive to Dopey Nation. So go to Soberlink.com Dopey and let Soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's an amazing, great recovery podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It is about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. And they love Dopey, so I love them. 
Listen as they discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step recovery, the newest medical research, and talk about their daily struggles to maintain their recovery and their anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on all podcast apps and check them out at middleagesrecovery.com. Before we get to the show, I also want to tell you guys about Mobilize Recovery. It's an amazing cause. It's going national this September, and it's a project really close to my heart. It's a nonprofit organization and a way for you guys to pitch in and help end overdose and addiction in America. There's a way for all of us to get involved. There's no cost and there is no hidden agenda. Mobilized Recovery is about you. It's about us. It's about our community and what we can be doing together to inspire recovery solutions all across the United States. Here is Ryan. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Hampton recovery advocate and founder of Mobilize Recovery. And I'm jumping on with Dopey today because we need you to help end overdose, end addiction, and inspire solutions for recovery across the United States. This September, the nonprofit initiative Mobilize Recovery is launching a national bus tour in partnership with iHeartMedia and Google. And we want to learn what your community, your organization, and your projects are doing to Mobilize for Change. Help us map the journey across the country. Learn more today at mobilizerecovery.org and submit your ideas to us. There's so many ways for you to get involved and to help us highlight the recovery experience that is so unique in different regions across all 50 states. Go to mobilizerecovery.org to learn more and to help us map this journey. And I hope we get to meet so many of you this coming September during National Recovery Month. Before we get to the show, I would like to ask you to subscribe to Dopey, go to dopeypodcast.com, buy the merch. We're in an amazing partnership with SRO Prince out of Cincinnati. They're a bunch of junkies like us, and they make really good stuff. I'm wearing an SRO Prince shirt right now, and it is so comfortable. I've been wearing SRO Prince shirts all week. Someone told me to stop wearing Katz's gear so much and start wearing Dopey gear. And these shirts are more comfortable than the Katz's shirts. Shout out to Katz's and everything. But SRO Prints, they make beautiful stuff. We're shipping at the end of every month. Go to dopeypodcast.com and check out the new gear. Also, we're going to do an amazing snapback and hat sale if you're interested. I will be posting details on Instagram shortly. Go to Dopey Zoom. Buy dopey candles at northavcandles.com slash collection slash dopey or just go to the dopey site. Support us on Patreon. So much funny shit is on Patreon right now. So many good talks, interviews, and I've just started throwing up audio tracks again if you hate to see my big-nosed face. Anyway, enough with the fucking ads. Here's the fucking show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. It is the evening in Sayville, Long Island, and I sit with the return of Fentanyl Jay on the program. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> now, Jay, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. You got to talk into the mic. Or Thanks, people, Dave. People are going to give me shit. Because well, you're like, Thanks, Dave. <laughs> maybe I'll do it just so they give you shit. Just, come on. <laughs> 
talk to the mic. Now, when last you were on the show, mm-hmm. people were coming up to you. Are you Fentanyl J? Yep. Can you give me some fentanyl? Yep. I want to know you. Yep. Has that ever happened again? It happened twice at the restaurant that day. But never again. Not since. See, I didn't, it couldn't happen again. Yeah, yeah, not since. But we'll see. This is the straight Long Island episode of Dopey. Shout out to Long Island. <laughs> Everybody says they don't care about having... They, they, they give me shit for trying to be a fame whore and want celebrities all the time. Huh? They so, give me shit. I'll tell you what. I never listened to a podcast ever until you brought... Until I heard my friend told me fucking George Young was on this motherfucker. And that's the first podcast I ever listened to, ever. Because that's like a celebrity to me. Who told you? My friend Sage. What happened to Sage? Sage is... He's out? He's not out. He's like a... How do I phrase this? Asylum. He's like, he's in. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's he's in some mental state. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Sage. Big shout out to Sage. People don't My like brother. the shout outs. Ah, uh, fuck them. I like I mean, the shout outs. No, no. <laughs> I I like the shout outs. In fact, me and Evan were doing some shout outs to you. And this is the big Long Island episode. So I'm taking people's advice. Some okay. people love you. Most, I Most would say, no, you're, you're a polarizing force in the dopey nation, which is a good sign. Mm. I would say you're 7382 positive. You think? Yeah, I think it's around. That's that. crazy because I have no socials. You know that. I don't, I don't, I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't, I don't. No TikTok. No TikTok. But you are hooked on no YouTube. Snapchat. <laughs> are you not hooked not, on YouTube? Not at all. No, I'm on nothing. I don't do anything. I don't mean you posting on YouTube, but you watch no, YouTube. Not at all. You're done with YouTube. Never. Never watched it? No, I used to watch it. Well, you I just came it. in talking about all this YouTube shit. What? David Dobrik, Mike no, no, Malak. No, that's, that's not YouTube. Well, that was when I had socials. Like David Dobrik, Mike Malak, uh, Impulsive. They, they, that's what remember when I was telling you, oh, you got to do those videos like in the shoot. Cause our, videos are so ter- videos. our videos are terrible. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, Shout I out to Howie. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to know is if you're not doing socials, what are you doing? First of all, and more importantly, haven't seen you at a meeting in a good nine, 10 days. Nine, 10. And you were, just, I just want to get an update. Cause when you showed up out of jail, yep. out of, was it, did you go inpatient? Yep. In the end, yep. you were fucking desperate, yep. afraid, yep. worried, yep. a wreck. Yep. Now look at you, bronzed, <laughs> smiling. You the tan? You fucking, look tan, too. Well, I'm, I'm like half Arabic. Yeah, yeah, but like you're, you're, tan, you're fucking like you're living the life. Mm-hmm. Explain what's happened. Um, Break I, it down. So, <laughs> so, yeah, when I was fresh out, I was also, you know, I think a big part of it was like, making new better connections you know like like i had no one no one in my life that wasn't a drug seller a drug buyer a drug do you know like everyone i associated with in my life was like bad for me you know and that was like the first time i kind of realized it because i never you know i I had no more drugs and I fucking was sick and I was like, oh my God, what the fuck's wrong with me, you know? And I get out of rehab and I'm still like fucking 145 pounds, you know? Like, and and I realized like, oh shit, like I have no one, no one good for me, you know? I can, I've done it a million times where like, I'll fucking say I'm done with this and then I fucking 
called the that's that was a big thing for me people people placing the things they say but like people was like a really big thing for me because i had no good people you know so like when i first got there you know i was i was blessed to be like swarmed by some good people you know evan being one of them you know like my you know shout people, out to evan big shout he's, out he's to our Ed guest Gang. today yeah yeah evan was one of them but like seeing you know he was doing the damn thing. Did was, you ever go to a 12 step before this time and be like, I like this? No. So how did it happen that you got, to, I mean, cause you're not going now, which doesn't mean you don't like it. Yeah. We're in a weird sort of moment and yeah. I don't, it's not, I'm not here to say good, bad, one or the other. Yeah. I just think your experience is important for people to hear because there are people who are fresh out yeah. and like you had a really good experience. Yeah. So like I, I, I suggest if, especially if you're fresh out to, to do it. Like, even if you don't want to, cause I, you know, I, am not sure I wanted to, but you were there. How did you I force your, how did you make that happen? But I did, honestly, a lot of it was what the fuck do I do with my time now that I have so many fucking hours in a day and I'm not fucking zonked on the couch, you know, like, what do I do with my time? Okay, that's why I started going to the gym too. You know, like I, I went when I first got home, like, are you on steroids? This guy's fucking massive. I'm fucking massive. What are you on? <laughs> are you on, on HGH? I'm on like, no, nah, but you know what? Tell me. If that can, I heard that can make you grow a couple inches taller. <laughs> You're looking for a little height? <laughs> I'm looking for height. You got the girth, now you want the height? Exactly. Don't take it. No. It's probably a mistake. I don't know. So you're not taking anything? Nothing. You're like a fucking fiend in there, though, um, right? I, yeah. Every few months, I threaten the Dopey Nation with the Dopey Fitness Challenge. And the, do <laughs> the Dopey Fitness Challenge is basically when I feel insecure about myself mm. and I'm like, now it's time to get fit. <laughs> and whenever you, every, whenever I see week. you, I'm like, now every, it's time. Every week. <laughs> well, I felt comfortable until you got here. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I'm just, it's like, I'm ready for, you know, have you ever heard of Jeremy Jackson? No. He was uh, the kid. Have you ever watched Baywatch? No. Yeah, you're young. There was a show called Baywatch, and it Pam had Anderson. Pam Anderson and some other ladies in Tommy and, Lee. No, she, he wasn't in Baywatch. Oh, he was. He was. He was, <laughs> he was Pamela Anderson's husband. But the Sex da tape. David Hasselhoff Hoff was yeah, the star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kid who played his son was Jeremy Jackson. Mm -hmm. He came on Dopey. He was cooking meth, and now he's all like fucking ripped up that he was guy. gonna be the dopey fitness challenge guru but i think you could do it i don't know that guy is he like ripped ripped he's ripped he's ripped ripped but you're i mean come I'm on i'm not like ripped ripped well this guy's crazy ripped. yeah he's got to be ripped ripped so i'm thinking about institute i don't think i could he's let me ask you this girl, right? let me ask you this well i mean that's that's debatable let me <laughs> ask you this you ready yeah do you think as you become more ripped you're less funny I think as a oh shit, I'm not. Think, I'm not accusing no, you of not being funny. Me. No, 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 no. Good, I'm not. I'm just. That's I my think, fear. I think as I, I think as you get more, you know what? You know a real thing that I think. I think as you fucking go to the gym more, you have more body dysmorphia. You know what that? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, but break it down. Like so, like the more that. As that's I've a good word. I I suffer solid. from extreme body dysmorphia. Yo, I'm you, the regular. Yeah, you also suffer from fucking excellent vocabulary, and you just said I had a good word, so I'm yeah. fucking pumped. I'm with you. Um. So yeah, like the more you're in the gym, like before I, I went to the gym, like I, I've I've been to jail, so like I came out pretty fucking big, you know. And then there. Was what were you doing in there? Fucking push-ups and pull-ups. You're doing like Pilates in the back. <laughs> doing yoga in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like when I came out of jail, right? I was huge. I was like bit massive, and, uh, and then I started doing like, you know, 
drugs and stuff. So like there was this perfect like little in between time when you got thin and ripped and I was shredded and I was like, Oh, that's, that's That's the the stuff. That's That's the stuff. That's what I'm going for. You know? But like when I was like, so like I've been big before, but like now since I'm, you know, back in the gym and I was really, really skinny, I didn't really notice how fucking skinny I was until I look at pictures of myself and I'm like, Oh shit. Like you were fucking skin and bones, dude. You know? But now that I'm more in the gym, the more I'm thinking like, nah, like, it's not enough. It's not enough. I need to be taller. Yeah, taller. It's funny. <laughs> it's, bigger. It's, it's really funny how but it's it goes. like I look almost as best as I've ever looked in my life. And I've never thought when I looked like shit, I didn't think I looked like shit. I thought I was the fucking man. You know? When you looked like shit, you thought you were the yeah, fucking man. Didn't even think about and it. And now you wish you were a little bit you wish you were a little bit taller. And now that I look <laughs> a little bit better, I like, you know, from outside I probably look better, you know? But like I'm thinking like, oh, this needs to be, you need a couple more inches on my kneecaps, you know, like or what my shin bones. How rather. am I going to be enough? Yeah. Like me and me and Jay went to that <laughs> meeting. I don't know if we, we talk about it on the show. I don't, uh, when we went to Paulie's meeting, I don't know. We? I don't think I don't we know. talked about it on the show. We have a Fucking friend, a AA gurus. Yeah. We went, we went to this meeting in center Mauritius in the barn behind the mm-hmm. Orthodox church. And it was super recovery men's meeting. Everybody in there was like thick mm-hmm. fireman, yep. contractor, cop. Yep. Me and Jay walk in, <laughs> fucking Jew, half Korean, <laughs> fucking misfits. The only we, minority. We sit on the floor. <laughs> it was rough. We sit on the floor, we but did. the but the meeting was was a hardcore meeting. At the end of the meeting, a guy shares, mm. and he says, "I had thirty five years, mm-hmm. and I relapsed." Two year, last year or two years ago And the only question I, I have Is yeah, am I enough yeah. And that's the I wish I had a few more inches Or I yeah. wish it was like this or whatever um, I feel pretty good You know what I mean Like I can say I wish I was more ripped well, I wish six four, dude. Like you're good. I'm like 6'1 six six But I'm like womanly <laughs> my, my physique is womanly You give off 6'4 um, vibes Nice Yeah for yeah? real Definitely But it's like that's That's what I'm saying You see in me What something good And I see in you something mm. good But it's up for us to so see if it if we combine <laughs> If we can see it in ourselves Would be the trick That would be the that trick That is the tough Yeah um, But I want to know about The transformation From Not from uh, nerdy 98 pound weakling to, you know, solid rough, uh, <laughs> needing three inches, whatever I want. No, I want to talk about like when you were fucked mm-hmm. and then you got comfortable and yeah. now you're comfortable and like, and you're not going, but it's not necessarily a problem, but I want you to put the psychological so pieces like, together. So, here. so like I said before, when you first get out, if you were anything, well, even anyone in that life, right? Like you live a, vastly different you don't realize how vastly different of a life you're living when you're doing drugs and selling drugs and getting high like now you know when you you look back you're probably like holy shit i know i can't believe that was life for me you know so you might not even see it at first like when you first get out that's why like i suggest going to the meetings right away because literally if you fucking say i'm brand all you have to say is i just got out yesterday like the fucking room will do its thing, you know. Like people will fucking swarm you, like fucking because they have flies to. on shit. Yeah, you know <laughs> they have to. And and if you just let it happen and like don't be a little de- don't be defiant, you know, because like it, it, maybe I wouldn't have like you know 
hung out with these people getting hot. But that's the point, right? You want to hang out with like different people. But some of these people, some I'd of fun. them, you some would've. of them, I definitely would have too. Would've. You know, so I find like a good. The people your Balance. age, for the most part, in there, you would have gotten high with. You might not have Definitely. loved them all. Yeah, yeah. Because you yeah. don't love everyone you get high with it's, either. That's true. You know? <laughs> um, but I guess, and it's like... And then once I get a little bit like, like, once I had a baseline, you know? I Once I had like a baseline going, like, okay, I've got like a solid group of people. People, you know, like you, your wisdom fucking Davy Jones, bro. Like, you know, that's good people to have. Like, you're like a mentor, you know? Like, you're you're a good person to have. People like that, even fucking like Johnny Jukebox, like fucking crazy Johnny Jukebox. Yeah, like yeah, people yeah. all Garrett, like people all like that. Like, you know, f- that you look to for like help. You know, this could be good for anyone, not even just drug addicts or alcoholics, but like, but like people like that. And then like my core group of people like Ian and fucking Nick, you know, like I had a. I, I saw like Andre a, too. He seemed you? like he was good. Yeah, I think he's celebrating a year next month. He seemed like he was good, and he asked about you. I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I was like, I don't know. I talked to him. He seems good, but oh, I don't know. But like, here's the the next question, because a lot of the audience, like, they're not interested in going to meetings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't want to do it. Um, That's the thing. I yo, there's like a fucking million bark, 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 bark. There's like a million ways I think for people to get sober. All right, that's what I was going to ask you, because, you like, know? you're not going now. Do you consider your recovery? What do you mean? Like, when you're there, yeah. right, it's fucking all recovery all the yeah. time. Every second is yeah. something else that's textbook and all the yeah. bullshit, whatever. Yeah. When you're not there and you're you're a creep. I mean, like, yeah, you were a terrible drug dealer, yeah. but you were also a terrible drug addict yeah. for your whole fucking life, from yeah. like 13 or something, yeah, yeah. maybe younger, 12, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and you didn't go to a meeting for a week, whatever. That's not the point. The question is like, do you consider your recovery when you're not really active in 12 step? I do. And I don't like I do when I, it's hard to say that I can. What's it like to, because like you, you know, like you're kind of, you see, you, you fuck a lot of people. (laughs) Maybe I should take that out. (laughs) But you also, you also see one and she doesn't use. Yeah. And, um, Most, and like, of them really, yeah. It's uh, like, as far as I know, are you, in your head are you just like a normal person now? I mean, yeah. And one on one term, I am. <laughs> Isn't I'm, that weird I'm though? I'm fucking cured. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. On one hand, it's like, yeah, I fucking went through what I went through, and now this is I'm different. It's whatever. I'm I'm normal. <laughs> I'm normal too. You feel like that? I do. You're I really, fucked. You're I really fucking do. fucked. I really do. But but then on the other hand, I think about it too, like. I know I'm fucked and I know that I'm not like all the way normal, but also you're not sure uh, you're on the, yo, you're on the, the fence. But always, yeah, see, I'm going <laughs> back and forth and back and forth cause I'm not fucking normal, but like, but I wasn't normal. Right. And then I fucking came out and did the meet and whatever. And now I'm a completely new person from when I was one calendar year ago. Like, in all aspects of my whole entire life, I approach everything completely differently. And how did, what do you, what is that about? It, how did it happen? I don't, maybe. It, psychic it, change? <laughs> you had the psychic change. I, I, I did. I did. It might not have been the fucking, you know. It was though. You just don't want to even say Yeah, but it. you think God just called my name to jail? I don't look at it like that. Yeah. You crazy? I don't look at it like that. I don't look at it like that. Well, you know what? I think I had a psychic change in fucking rehab. I really do. Like, 
I think I knew in rehab, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not fucking smoking fentanyl and I'm not fucking running, selling drugs, rolling around with guns. Like I knew that in rehab, like that happened. You know what I'm saying? It's just, how do I get, I know I don't want to do that, but what the fuck am I going to do? You know? So like when I first got out, I've never had a job in my life ever, you know? So like I had all this fucking time, you know? So it's like. I first get out and that's when that's where the meetings help me a lot because like it gives you something to do interaction and all of a sudden social. you're like back at high school and yeah it's like you, yeah, you it's have like, a nickname for everyone you see <laughs> you're happy to see everyone they're happy yeah. to see you and they're like wait a second I know how to deal with people yeah yeah you're like reintegrating back into life like I you know I probably wouldn't have never well shout out to Davy Jones you got me the first job yeah, I, I ever got. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, what the I fuck? I probably never would have been able to fucking work anywhere. And now my job that I have now is so social that, like, if I, I wouldn't have been able to jump into that right away. I couldn't form full sentences, like, when I was in rehab. You know, I felt, like, dumber. Like, you know, like, literally, I remember, like, one day waking up in my house and kind of, like, the fog being, like, lifted. You know, like, like whoa. Like, was that was a fucking trip dude you know well when i when i first saw talked to you or heard you you were all there but it was behind like a lot of like fear yeah. and misery yeah and when we first started talking you yeah. were fucking miserable because you were like how am i gonna get from here to there yeah and I was like, you'll do it slowly. And you did. Slowly. You know? Yeah. And, and that was like a big stepping stone for me. Like the media, like not saying I stepped over, but like that helped me, you know, I, I needed it. I needed it. So, so I'm not saying that I, and, and I don't think you, I needed it. I don't think everyone fucking needs it to get sober. I really don't. I needed it for real. Yeah. And I, and I also kind of still do. Yeah. I need it because like. It just, it reminds me of shit. It keeps me like, keeps me dipped in the good stuff. Yeah, but do you think like you're just going now like out of habit? Like, you know, like. No, like, I'm, like, I'll tell you, I'm going at this point because of the, what Barbara said. You know, I go because, first of all, Dopey's about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And if I don't know shit about recovery, it's not as good for the show. That's true. Uh, number two, it saved my fucking life. That's true. Number three, I always went for two things. One, I went to spit fire and get laughs, Duh. you know, big time. Duh. Like, cause I get high off the laughs. Duh. And, and two, I went because I, I was nervous and I was like, I need, you know, spirituality. I need to get dipped in, in like yeah. the sauce, whatever. So did you ever have a period where you were like, fuck this? Yeah. Or yeah, I did. I had a, I had a big period, um, kind of around, I don't know, like a year and a half or something, mm -hmm. or, or like when I moved out here. Yeah. Because I had a meeting I went to for the first year in Manhattan, Manhattan. And when I moved out here, I like stopped going. Did you go to like one meeting in Manhattan, like a one meeting guy, like the same one? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah. One That's how I am. Guy. I don't yeah. I don't need to fucking go. Yeah, you don't need to I don't bounce. need to like see people. I'm like, I just want to go get my shit and leave and yeah. go early and be done with it for yeah. the day. That's just how I am. Yeah. But uh, I came back to the thing because... Todd, Todd and Chris died and I was mm. fucked up Freaked. like I was just a disaster and I, but what Barbara said at the meeting and I heard it last year she was like she goes to the meeting to see what she can put into the meeting mm. and I was like that seems like a good idea yeah. and I've been sponsoring people fucking my yeah. one of my sponsees just got a year my, hey. my police officer sponsee and Paul at the meeting he's like he's like 
yo, I just want to say this is fucking great. Dave's a fucking dope fiend and he's sponsoring <laughs> a fucking police officer. And it was, it was funny. This is fucking Paul yeah. alcoholic. Fucking poorly addict alcoholic. <laughs> fucking great. Um, but, uh, before we get any further, uh, please subscribe to Patreon. What the fuck? Nobody's buying shit. Fucking no one's buying the fucking products. Stop. The products that we're advertising. Support. Support. And show love. Listen, if you're not going to support the show, just kick into Patreon. That's it. Kick into Simple. Patreon. Oh, shit. We're doing a Patreon Zoom tomorrow night. Oh, shit. If you're available, you could be the special guest. Oh, shit. If you're interested in that kind of thing. So interested. Wait, uh, when is the Zoom? What time? I think it's at 8.30. 8.30? Yes, tomorrow night at 8.30. Wow, it's going down? Yeah. So if you want people on Zoom, I might pop in. Perhaps. Say what's up. So in the future, if you are a $5 patron, maybe you'll see Fentanyl J at the, at the Patreon Zoom. Subscribe, baby. Fucking... I had so much stuff I wanted to talk about, but I just wanted to hear about your psychic change. Psychic. It's changed. And uh, I think you should go back to give back. Yeah, but you can give back because like... You're such a cocksucker. Nah, yeah, but you can give back. That's why you can go Dude, back. Dude, Jay, Jay fucking goes and he like has three months and, and dudes are lining up. Like, you sponsor me, Fentanyl Jay. I was like, dude, are you smoking crack still, dude? What Did you I? say that? No, the kid, the kid said, he said, oh, I don't know. I shared some shit in a meeting. He goes, oh, can you be my sponsor? I said, bro, what are you smoking? Dust? Did you say that? Yeah. I was like, are you smoking dust, bro? I can't sponsor you. I can't even fucking... I can't even do shit. I can't sponsor myself. I can't fucking... <laughs> we talked a lot about dust last time you were on. Did right? we? Did yeah, we? Yeah, we did. We did. We did. Yeah, we did. I'm always so fascinated yeah, by dust. That. The wet, wet. <laughs> the fucking wet, wet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you crossed paths with any drugs at all in this run of sobriety? Like, did you see? Have you have you been around people oh, using at all? So just to explain, uh, some car alarms just went off, and Winnie went crazy, and it was your car. Why yeah. was your car alarming? Well, well we heard <laughs> we heard the car alarm go off. And I was like, oh, shit, is that my car? So I pressed the, I thought I pushed it on my keys because I'm fidgeting over here. So I pressed the panic button, and then both car alarms started going off. So, so it wasn't your car? No, and then, but two were going off at that point. Then Winnie started really turning up. So where were you around drugs in your recovery? So like at the restaurant, at the restaurant, one of the dudes like gave me this fucking dollar bill. He's like, bro, blah, 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 blah. Was it vegan? No, no, no. Shout out to the vegan, though. Fucking love that guy. Okay. Um, but, uh. He uh offered me. He like gave me a dollar bill with coke in it. I didn't realize that shit doesn't even tickle my fancy anymore. You know. <laughs> well, break it. Tell me what happened. Exactly. So like, so like, he's like, "Oh, bro, take shit." I'm like, "No, bro. Like, I'm good." Whatever. Well, he gave it to me. I was like, "Bro, I'm good." He goes, "Bro, don't disrespect me." Or not. He was like fucking drunk or some shit. Well, hold on. He gives you a dollar bill. Like fold it up. up. Like a yeah. And what do you? And you know, there's coke in it. That's something people do. I no just, one ever gave me a dollar with coke in it. I didn't know, but like, I kind of got the feeling, you know. And then once I, I didn't, I actually never opened it and looked at it. I go to give it to like this other kid behind the bar that I know does it. So I was like, oh, here, take this. And he's like, bro, I can't even fucking do it right now. Pussy. But like, but, you're like, you're fucking, I'm going to yo. shoot you up right now. <laughs> you got a needle? I'm going to shoot you up right like, now. Come here, kid. But yeah, so, so he fucking took it. I think he gave it to someone. I don't know. But that was it. And what like, time of night do you think it was? It was like evening. Like evening. Probably like around this time. What was your reaction? I really didn't have one. I was like, no. At first I was like, oh, you know, because like I said, you know, that doesn't even tickle my fancy anymore. What like, could, the thing, I think I know the thing that would tickle your fancy, which would be just a drink. What? A drink? 
I think a shot of fentanyl would. Eh, I don't even. It just doesn't tickle my fancy. Nothing. Not because you, you went like mo- a month fancy? ago, two months ago. You were like, I think I'm ready to have a drink. But you know what would tickle my fancy for real? A smoking crack. Smoking crack. Yeah, and, and I don't know why because like that was never like a big fucking thing for me. But a smoking crack would tickle my fancy. So That's when the, they give you the coke, you're not like no. It doesn't, it doesn't do move it. you. It doesn't do it. But if someone, uh, if I someone like was, gave you a crack pipe with crack in it, you'd be, uh, you might be f- that f- tickled pink. My, might be <laughs> tickled fucking pink. Wow. Well, yeah. All right. Well, then we but have. I, but I don't. I don't know if I. Because then if I did it, I know I'd have to do something. I just. You'd just have like to get down. Gonna you, have to get down. You probably like drink a bottle like, and then and then find fence. I've never get into a fight. Gotten down. I've never gotten down with drinking. You know. So you just go look, as soon as you broke the seal. You just look for drugs. Yeah. The, yeah. It's that seal. You so know? nobody at at Jay's restaurant. Please, nobody give him a crack, crack pipe full of crack <laughs> or a basket full of crack. I'd appreciate that. No crack for Jay. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, you know, so before we get to Evan, I need to say that this episode of Dopey is brought to you by Athletic Greens. You know about Athletic Greens? I don't. Enlighten me. It is called, they have a product called AG1, which is like this fucking one scoop of AG1 has 75 high quality vitamins, mineral, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens oh, shit. and like i just want to say this to keep it a hundred to be transparent with you and the audience <laughs> athletic greens is done with us because nobody buys it really? so if you guys want to see dopey get sponsored and if you have any interest in having a super food making your gut healthier get ag1 now i'm going to be let me keep it 100 again i take it every day legit every day I, I i get up i look at instagram i take athletic greens I fucking, no, I get up, I look at Instagram, I maybe look at emails, I pray with my (laughs) head against the floor like a fucking Buddhist monk, I take my athletic greens, I make a cup of coffee, I do my 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and like he was like, "That's a lot." Meanwhile, he's doing like a thousand. That's like, why you're looking buff. That's though. why you're that. No, it's you're you're doing up. like you're doing like a thousand, right? Uh, I do like five hundred. Andy Roy is at a thousand. Andy Roy's a fucking animal. Thousand of each. Of each? Yes, sir. He's fucking going, all, and he's skateboarding, and he's fifty. Damn. That's what I'm saying. Heroin preserves the youth. That's what I'm. I mean, I was youthful when I was on heroin. I looked like I was young, and now I'm starting to get old. It's over for me. You're still looking young. It's over. It's over. It's probably the AG one. You see the AG one kicking in. So fucking, it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free. Shout out to vegan. Shout out to the vegan. Get AG one, bro. You love vitamins. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. It comes from New Zealand. It's fucking high quality. Oh, I'll show you the packaging. It's fuck. I'll give you some. You want a little AG one yeah, yeah, on the side? You want to try it? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you have it. It costs less than three bucks a day, oh, which is cheaper than your caramel macchiato, whatever Definitely. you like. Fucking the dude created it for gut health, and it works. Cleans me out. I like it. Like that? I, it's a good feeling for yeah, me. Yeah, that's why you're probably looking so good and fit at your young age. Oh, stop. I'm dead ass. Oh, you, are you gassing I'm me up? Dead are you putting ass. gas in my tank right I'm now? What are you ass, doing? Dave. Um, there's over 7,000 five-star reviews. Wow. Fucking, that's a lot. It's a climate-neutral certified company. And most importantly, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dopey. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash dopey to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And Fentanyl J, you're going to go home with some AG1 today. I'll try it out. I'll come back. I'll report. I'll nice. report if I was cleared. All right. So uh, buy some AG1. Fucking maybe they'll come back. They probably won't, but it's good. I actually like it. I wouldn't take it every day if I didn't sure. like it. It's kind of fruity and vegetable-y, and it, it really nice. does feel good. Um, okay, this is an honor. Fucking, why don't you describe Evan before we go? I, I Evan? I, yeah. What a fucking champion of people. For sure. He's a fucking stud. Break it break it down. First of all, look at the guy. He's like beautiful. fucking Calvin Klein. He's beautiful. Kid's a stud. He's beautiful. You know, ripped. Tatted, beautiful, bright blue eyes. I mean, we sound we eyes. sound very gay. We're incredibly gay. hetero in love with Evan. Yeah, yeah. But like, if I was gay, I think I said he was scantily clad <laughs> during the interview. <laughs> I think I said that, that. Good... because he was always wearing the tank top when yeah, I first met yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, you did say that. Yep, yep. Surrounded by like good, it, like it was weird because like right now you go to the meeting, it's not like the most attractive of meetings. But <laughs> two years ago in the summertime, out of nowhere, this crew showed up from some sober house and Evan and a bunch of women. It was like a weird, really? it was a weird time on that the is, beach. That was a weird time. Doesn't sound beach. right Doesn't now. Doesn't sound like the beach. No, exactly. Um, and anything else you want to say about him before Fucking we play it? Great dude. Shout out to him. The greatest dude. One of the greatest dudes I've met in recovery, bro. He's got it. He's figured it out. He's hacked it. He's cured. You see, you got you got you got serious <laughs> problems. All right, here's here's Evan. Here's Evan. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave. And we are in Long Island, New York. We are sitting by the Great South Bay, and I am joined by one of my very good friends who actually attends the infamous beach meeting. His name is Evan. Welcome to Dopey. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here, finally. We're doing this. And Evan Evan also has enjoyed the show from time to time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big fan. Once I met Dave and uh, started listening, you know, I've, I've loved it ever since. You know, I listen all the time. Even on uh, the YouTube, The Daily Reflections. You ah, know? and Evan was recently on The Daily Reflections. That's right. And Evan actually, Evan showed up at the beach meeting a couple of years ago, and he's... He's very handsome. He would wear he would wear oh, scantily, scantily clad tank tops with, <laughs> with, uh, with with very tan and, and tattooedness. And I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" I was like, "This guy's got a little bit too good." And I didn't think he would you would stick around. And then you also shared about drugs, and I was like, "I like this guy." Absolutely, and it's funny you say that because uh, you know Beach Bums is AA, and I actually went to an NA meeting last night for the first time in like a really long time. And it was it was just interesting to see the difference. I thought it was very, you know, um, like people there. I would say different things. Like you say, like buzzwords that like people know you're from AA, right? And they kind of look at you and they're like, uh, like what's that about? But you know what? Whatever works for people is is cool. When I first started going to meetings, what they would and I and I went to NA for I don't know first two years or something when I wasn't sober, <laughs> you know, I, fuck, I, I, got, I did not that be, and not because of NA, you know. Uh, and and they would say, oh, the other fellowship. I've right, heard that right. a lot. Yeah. They don't say that at Beach Bums ever. No, no one ever says and that. And I've never heard that at really any AA meeting, which is, is interesting, like the difference between, you know, because you hear like how AA like years ago was like very like, you don't talk about drugs or this or that. But since I've been in AA, like I've, I've haven't had that experience at all. But you go into NA and I remember, you know, even years ago when I first went in there, it was always like that. It was like, oh, you don't talk about the other fellowship, which I never got because it's like, 
you know, in my mind, whatever works for people is like, that's, that's cool, you know? And division rarely leads to anything but being divided. Absolutely. Where being united is often very strong. The other thing, like, uh, I've been on Zoom meetings for AA, you know, and my, like, my story is just drugs, you know what I mean? And, and I've had people say, this isn't the place for that. Like, I've had people say really? that to me, yeah, and I'm like, fuck, you know? But, um, I well and I you know listen we just blew a whole tradition. Why are you so comfortable blowing traditions? I like know. This? What's well, wrong with you? I never went through what the traditions. But you know it's like somebody said I, I've heard it written you know like that there are no rules there are only suggestions. But where does that land with the traditions? If they're traditions, aren't they rules? You don't you would know. think. You have to ask your. We have to ask our sponsors about that. I need a I need a tradition sponsor. I'm sure your sponsor knows the tradition. No, he does. He knows fucking everything. He definitely does. Um, but uh, I feel like one of the early shares I heard you make in the meeting was about uh, CBD, and like, and I was like, hmm, CBD. And I'm all of a sudden now I'm thinking about getting a CBD sponsor for the show because <laughs> like I was all anti CBD forever, and like I feel like. You guys, you, you wouldn't believe how many seagulls are sitting around us they're gonna, right now. They're going to shit all over my car, man. That's all right, though. It's all good. I went to meet with one of my sponsees by the bay over there, and I left my windows open, and I turn around, and there's two fucking crows in the car. Inside? In the car. <laughs> there are two. That was the last time you left your windows open there, huh? It was exciting, though, because crows are supposedly some sort of mystical animal crazy the things we get excitement out of today you i know, know it's a boring life when you get excited that the crows are in the car <laughs> oh, so shit. so do you remember the cbd thing absolutely what absolutely you know because um i would see some of my friends not in recovery um one of my friends owns a smoke shop and he would make posts on instagram about like delta eight and all this this new stuff coming out and the cbd like it looks like weed you know what I'm saying? It looks exactly like weed. So like I Did started, you smoke it in recovery at all? No, I never smoked it in recovery, but I got the idea that popped into my head like, oh, like I think we should smoke some right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll I be mean, smoking like, weed by tomorrow. Right. Do, do you that. think I mean like that's that's I, I don't know. Like I don't know why I'm even saying I don't know. I'm not gonna smoke C B D joints, but like I would love to experience weed flavor again. Like, I kind of want to, like, have, like, a weed-flavored candle that really stinks of the dank or something. Absolutely. You know, I, I've been around friends who are smoking, you know, in recovery. And, like, just Smoking this, bud or Just CBD? smoking bud. Smoking bud. And just the smell THC of it. THC flower. THC flower. Yeah. And just the smell of it, you know, like, it gets my mind going. So, like, I think the whole process of just, like, you know... Even hitting a vape or rolling it up, at, at, like, will trigger something in my brain but where I'll be hit, like, "You hit uh, uh, nicotine vape, yeah, constantly." That's a good point. You're constantly vape. That's a good point. But I was doing that, you know. Uh, but what? What do you? What's a good point? That it's a similar process, you know, of of hitting the vape, you know. But I think there's just something in your mind that knows, like, because like. The, even the CBD are like those little cartridges with like you can see the oil in them or whatever. And it's just, you know, I, it's something in my head where it's just like, you know, will will set something off for me or that's the fear. It's it's a fear. And I'm not willing to find out whether it it's will or it will or will not trigger me to to go down that route of starting to smoke weed again. You know, it's just not worth it for me. You know, it looks like weed. It smokes like weed. So fuck it.
Yeah, I talk shit all day that I mean, like I, I, I think that was the first time I said, let's go get some CBD and smoke it right now. So I feel a little I feel kind of strange having said that because I'm certainly not going to actually do it. But I like I mean, and that's where it gets that's where, you know, it can be stupid. Like like if I was like, all right, let's go to the CBD dispensary and be like, OK, let me get the purple haze without THC with just CBD and let me get some rolling papers or better yet. Let me get a bong. <laughs> exactly. We'll, well, hit, that's we'll the hit the thing. CBD bong. It's the process. And I think that process does something in your brain where it releases like similar chemicals that are released when you smoke actual weed, which can be triggering you know and i'm just not willing to to risk it and then it's like well what are your hobbies in recovery and it's like oh i take bong hits of cbd <laughs> purple you know that's my that's my big thing that's, i'm into my normal saturday like i like know? exercising i like i like reading and and uh and, and flying kites and and smoking cbd purple haze bongs absolutely do you think they have a purple haze cbd absolutely yeah they have I, i'm pretty sure they have like non-thc yeah like all these different you know names like just mocktails like, exactly exactly really yeah, that's fascinating. Anyway, so Evan is not only uh, a, an addict in recovery, he's also a fucking drug counselor, and he also am, yes. just graduated nursing school. I did, yep. So a little career change, switching paths a little bit, you know. I mean, sort of. How do you figure? Well, I mean, it's it's a, a different function, you know. Uh, counseling is more sitting down and, and, and just talking to people. Now, like, the real reason that I switched to nursing was because I wanted to be able to really, like, help in a more in-depth way. Because, you, you know, you see people in the meetings or wherever they have addiction issues or alcoholism. They got a lot more issues going on than just specifically their addiction. They have mental illness. They have cirrhosis of the liver. They have... All these other things that come with it. So I kind of wanted to, you know, be able to address a whole big picture of the person instead of just like, let's talk about your addiction. Right. And it's it's uh, it's challenging. It's more challenging. And it also is more of a career in terms of like living like a lucrative fucking career. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's that's a huge piece of it as well. You know, I'd be lying if I said, you know, that wasn't a piece of it, but it, it's impossible to live on Long Island as a as a counselor, you know? Well, you wouldn't be living you, you and making money is an important thing. That's also part of like feeling good and all that shit and it's and a career is a career. And not that counseling isn't a career. But and you can make money as a counselor if you private practice it up. If you private and hook, practice and yes. hook it up. Yes. And, and, I'm and, not a social worker though. You need to be a social worker to do that. I'm a case act. Right. So you're like, okay, I'm a case act. Do I get the MSW or do I become a doctor or do I do the nursing? Well, that was my original plan was to the do MSW. was to do that and uh, do private practice. But when I first started working at, at where I work, I would see these social workers come in and they're making, you know, maybe five, ten thousand more than me, you know, and they're putting in 10 years before they have a private practice. So I didn't feel like, you but know, I wanted to be where I wanted to be at sooner than that timeline, you know, very addict of you. Uh, absolutely. You know, I'm impatient. So. When was the first time you got high? The first time I got high was at my high school, smoking weed uh, in the dugout, you know, with a bunch of people. That with the dugout or in the dugout? In the dugout. With the du you know what the dugout is? No. Oh, yeah. The dugout was the great one of the greatest weed smoking devices that ever was. It's a little wooden box with the little metal bat. They called it a bat. You, know, you don't know what I'm talking no. about? No. This is awesome. Maybe this is just an old era. 
little metal bat. It was the shape of a cigarette like this, and it has a little one hit in it. And you put weed in the big compartment of the box. Okay, yes. You take, you've done, you've smoked. Yes, and you yes. call it a dugout. My dad had one of those, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Does your yeah. dad smoke weed? He does. He does. So that's that's an interesting story. We'll get to that in, in, in a few minutes. But so we used to smoke out of cans. You know, we would make a little... Crush the can, exactly. put the holes in. Yes, yes. Would you put the carb on the back or no? We would put the carb oh, on the back. Fine. We would use the top. We would break the, the, the top of the can off and poke little holes in it and then make a hole on the side. And, and that's how we smoked. We didn't have money for for bowls or dugouts dugouts you know or anything special like that so uh, that was my first experience getting high um shortly how old 13 wow that's very young yeah and yeah. where would you grow up lake grove new york you still live in lake grove new york. i do still live all in right lake grove. so you're smoking aluminum cans at 13 yes when did stonerdom hit you hmm shortly thereafter you know maybe within six months or so i was smoking weed pretty much daily i was never a big drinker but when i drank i drank you know i could remember one of my first experiences drinking um was new year's eve i must have been 14 and um i chugged a whole bottle of what was it it was like grape vodka something like that and um you got stupid and i got stupid stupid threw up everywhere i came home and that we used to have a computer in like our little living room area and there was a glass coffee table behind it and uh i was so drunk and i remember posting all this like cringy stuff on facebook about my girlfriend at the time and what kind of stuff just See, that's like the professing my love nice. for her you know all this all this stuff because i had just basically like thrown up all over her and was afraid she was gonna leave me at the time i'm like 14. and so i stand up from doing that and i fall through the glass table and it shatters into millions of little pieces somehow i came out unscathed but like i'm just laying there and my dad comes and he like picks me up out of the table and there's glass everywhere so that was like one of my first experiences drinking so like whenever i did something i did it like all the way from an early age i was doing that and that's why a 14 year old shouldn't have facebook also absolutely so hold absolutely. on you literally posted and then you crashed through the table yeah. Did you post the crash of the table? That, no, no, I didn't even remember posting until I got up the next morning and I saw and I was like, oh, my God, and I had deleted everything. You That's know? so funny. Terrible. The things we do, you know? Yeah. Fucking. It's like I feel very glad that I didn't have social media as a teenager. It's killer, it especially these kids. You know, they got TikTok and all these things. They're like seven, eight, nine, you know, who knows what it does. So when how did it uh it developed. How did the stonerdom addict develop in you? Like when did when did it? It's when did you see like, uh oh, this could be something. With smoking weed or just drugs period, in general. Period. Period. Probably at like, not until around seventeen. I considered like maybe this is a, like a thing, like a little bit of an issue for like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Some of 16, like I was just smoking weed, a drink here and there with my friends. And then senior year of high school, we started doing a lot of molly. We started doing a lot of mushrooms. And um, then at the end of senior year, I tried Roxy's, oxycodone, 30 milligrams. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I didn't have access to it. I didn't have the means to it, really. But I knew, like, as soon as I did that, I was like, maybe it's... I still really didn't know, but I knew like I was 
dabbling. What were you like in, at that point in your life? Like, were you like druggy kid? No. Like, what were you into? Were you an athlete? Yeah, so I played sports. Um, I always got good grades. What sports did you play? I played baseball. Um, funny enough, I actually bowled in high school, which was like the thing I was like super good at, you know? So I always... Hold up, hold up, hold up. Is there a bowling team in your high school? There was, yeah. And how did you get on the bowling team? So me and my dad bowled for years, and I grew up bowling with great. him. Yeah, I grew up bowling with him. And, um, you know, I remember so in you're high in the school, bowling league and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I did bowling league for years. Do you years. still bowl? Not as much anymore. If we, if we went bowling right now, I could still bowl. I'm sure. I could still bowl, but I mean... Um, Do you ever go out casually with people and they don't know, and then all of a sudden you fucking bowl and it's like... Kingpin yeah, yeah my, well, it's like uh, I, I took my girlfriend when we first met out on a date to, to go bowling, you know. And wow, to impress her. <laughs> I don't know if it's you're not impressing someone when, when you you're bring, that good. When you got your little bag with like bowling shoes and your bowling ball, you know. Like, so you have the bowling bag. Absolutely. So in high school, you know, it's like when we would go to leave to the bowling alley on the bus, you know, you like drag your bowling bag through the school and like, it's not a cool thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, like playing the accordion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like playing the accordion. So, um, you know, in high school, like that was the thing. It wasn't baseball. How did it happen that you wound up being the bowling star? How do I not know this? You really should talk more I about I being I don't really a share star. it too much, but it's um, too bad. I bowled, uh, 300 two weeks back to back in that's a perfect game yeah in ninth or tenth grade and actually news 12 did, did a piece on me i have to see it do you have it anywhere? somewhere i'd have to find it i'd have to find it so that's so funny. so that was my bowling career and then i did that throughout high school and then i did did leagues after high school but um so like did did bowling season compete with baseball season ever? No. So here was actually a big moment in my life where, you know, I played baseball my whole life. Baseball was my my love, you know, um, way more than bowling. Oh, way cooler than bowling. Exactly. And I got cut in ninth grade. And this was like a turning point for me where it was like it was like weed was just like a thing, you know, and then it was like, fuck it. Like, I don't even want to play baseball anymore. Like, I'm going to smoke weed, you know, and I would miss practice with my travel teams and I would smoke weed, you know, and like it was almost like, uh, you know, I was like, well, fuck that rebellion. Like, yeah, exactly. This makes me feel OK. It makes me feel better about not being on the baseball team. Exactly. And I can bowl really good stoned. It, it, yes, it, pretty much. Yeah, we go to practice stoned all the time after that. Oh, but, the uh, black light in the bowling alley and stuff. It's, well, it no, no, no. I, I used to hate the uh, the nighttime or dark bowling because, you know, you like bowling. You like you actually got to see where you're throwing this it. You know, amazing. it's very specific. Yeah. You know, like you move one board with your feet and the ball like goes to the left more than you know what if you stood right so when i was nine years old there was a, a kid i had a birthday party bowling alley party okay and, and and back in the day there were bowling alleys in manhattan now there's like one did you get the bowling pin I with did. everyone i did signing i had it? the yeah, bowling yeah, yeah. pin with everyone signing it and uh i remember all i remember i had the bowling pin for years i would use it as a hammer in my room uh, okay. but, uh, <laughs> but all i remember is that I, i'm playing against this guy carter yang who knows why it is in my head Carter Yang is is in our lane or whatever you call it and the and I and I get up to bowl and I throw it but the thing is down the fucking the the oh, thing is rookie down rookie move man but the set I I get it timed perfectly the thing comes up strike wow possibly top 5 moments in my life <laughs> to this day all right, where, okay, where are we in the story? Though? So basically, you know, um I tried the the Roxy, you know, in senior year Throw up. No, hold up. Before Roxy's though, you're you're a star bowler. You, yeah. I just took you off the path. You had the bag, fucking 
baseball cuts you and you start smoking more. Start smoking more, you know, still drinking here and there. I never I really like drinking. in your qualification you don't talk about being a bowler. Yeah, I don't you know. have to put it in. I have to put it it's in. It's so think? good. I it's don't know. such an interesting, interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, it was... you don't meet many bowl. Do you often meet great bowlers? Not usually. Not usually. Have Sometimes, you ever gone to the bowling alley, like just a weird sort of thing, and like you're like double date or like with some friends, and someone's ever as good as you? Has it ever happened? Yeah, I mean, there's there's people who are like really good out there. It's like um, I bowled with this kid. When I was in ninth grade, who was like, like actually the best bowler on Long Island, and bowled. Did you know though? Yeah, he was. Okay, like, no, he, I'm saying show up, thinking it's gonna be another day in the park where you fucking wreck everybody in this casual bowling, and then somebody there is actually as good as you. Um, no, no, no. I would like to see that happen. <laughs> All right, now back to the story. So you get cut from the baseball team. You start smoking more. Yes, I start smoking more and. Pretty innocent. Oh, so my dad. So I remember I was probably about 15 and I'm smoking in my bathroom upstairs. This was also a turning point for me in my life. And he catches me mm. and he goes, Evan, I, I, I know that smell. I've, I've smoked my whole life. I know that smell. I know you're smoking in there. And I go downstairs and I'm like acting all mad like, oh, I just got caught. And I sit down on the couch, and my dad comes down, and uh, he sits down, and he puts his arm around me, and he goes, Evan, if you're going to smoke weed in the house, you have to share. And this was a turning point because, you know, as a 15-year-old kid, not blaming my dad for this at all. My dad was an amazing father, you know, so... Uh, and he still smokes bud. He does. He does. Not an addict. Definitely not an addict. Definitely not an addict. Um, but, you know, as a 15-year-old kid, I took it as, like, yeah, like... Not it's okay for me to smoke weed. It's okay to me, for me to get fucked up. You know, like I just like grouped it all into well, why one. Why wouldn't you? Right, right. So. Because he didn't know who he was dealing with. No, either. no, not that early. You know, it's just, you know, I think so many kids smoke weed. You just like think, okay, they'll grow is up. Is your dad bigger. Jewish? He is, yeah. Stoner, bowler, Jew? It's yeah. very rare. <laughs> That's very the trifecta. rare. trifecta. Very, very. He's like a unicorn. Absolutely. Okay. So fucking. Uh-oh. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. Cause that it does, it does give you the kind of mixed signal, right? Like, like that it's okay. And, and, and your dad was a successful middle class. What did your dad do? He had his own business for a while in graphic design. Really? And now he sells dental supplies. So yeah, he's, you know, he's successful in that. Right. And, and like, and he, and he managed to smoke weed right. on, on whatever. Yeah. And he dabbled. He grew up in the seventies, you know, he dabbled, but when it was time to stop, he stopped. So, you know? so when you get cut from the baseball team, how does your life change? Skipping practice, going out with uh, friends more, you know, waking up and going to friends' houses and rolling blunts and playing Super Mario Brothers. Like, that's what my life consisted of, you know, and, uh, you know, other things didn't didn't matter as much. But I always maintained my grades. Like, that was always something that I, I was on. So when you tried the Roxy... You know, I never did Roxy's. I feel like I really missed out from what I hear. Yeah, you missed the ball. Um, anyway, so where, tell, what's the, what happened? So I was with a couple friends, and this one particular friend who was older than us, you know, and more experienced in, in drugs, 
came through with them and you know we sat outside and and we sniffed them and you know i immediately threw up and ate sour patch kids and tried to light a cigarette but lit the wrong end of the cigarette and right. you know i was i was in love you know but like i said i didn't have access to them at the times but that was stored in the back of my head is like oh i really like these i really like these so so the year ends and um i get a, an academic scholarship to drexel in philadelphia and so i say to myself you know at this time i've you know experimented a lot you know i smoke weed pretty much every day you know i've done coke i've done molly but um there was nothing that i was like truly like you know addicted to where i was gonna go through withdrawals so I say to myself before I go to school, like, oh, I'm going to stop, you know, smoking weed. I'm going to get a job. Like, I'm not going to get a girlfriend. Like, I'm really going to focus on what I need to do. And I get there. I get to Drexel. And within maybe a couple weeks, I have a girlfriend. I'm selling weed. You know, I'm, I'm drinking and, and doing acid and doing, doing all the things that I said I wasn't going to do. I was doing within within a few weeks. And my experience with Drexel was complete hell complete hell you know i i had the scholarship but i ended up uh fucking it up fucking everything up and i walked away with like nine credits after that year that i that i actually got every other class i filled that's like the first taste of classic addict shit absolutely absolutely when things are not going well or according to plan and it's and because you're doing these drugs and so so there's a lot of stories in between in that that one year that that happened you know so um like I said, I always, even going in there, like I knew I wanted to do those pills again. Like I knew I wanted to do that. And it's like we, a rain check in yeah, your head. Right, right. And so, you know, it's, it's Philadelphia. So like it's Drexel and then like you walk a fl- few blocks and it's the hood. Yeah. You know, so. It's we, always 1978 in Philadelphia. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we would buy weed from this kid and um, I'd see this guy outside, short short dude and um he's you know talking to people and like when you when you're an addict like you just have the sense like you you know when something's going on so i go when up you're and an addict, you think everyone's buying drugs all the time <laughs> exactly, no matter what yeah, yeah well i'm doing it so yeah, they must be yeah. doing it too so um i go up to him and i'm like oh what's up man what's up like uh, you know you you got you got stuff like just feeling it out and he he introduces himself as pill bill nice I That's found the out, guy to know. Found out later that obviously wasn't his real name, but um, it'd be funny if it was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his last but, name was Bill. But thus started my relationship with Pill Bill, which was a, a hectic relationship. You know, I would meet him, and at the time they really didn't have uh, blues, which were the thirty milligram Roxies. They had like pinks, which were the tens, or the fifteens, which were the green ones. And um, he would give anything in between any pills that he would have his hands on. He would he would let me know, and they would be. Sometimes they would be random pills that he would tell us are one thing, and then we go and we try to sniff them in the dorm, and uh, it's something completely different. Or they're five milligram Percocets with 325 milligrams of acetaminophen, and we're How trying to sniff that. Um, we would go home and pretty much look up the what's the it, pill ID the, thing. Yeah, 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 the pill ID thing. Yeah. And um, and I, I call, love that thing. I would call him and I would be like, "Dude, you screwed me over." And he'd be like, "Oh, like oh, I'm sorry. Like, like this is what I had." Bill, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would go there and I would wait in the hood for like 45 minutes, an hour. I'm like, "Where is this dude?" And uh, he would come through with some like garbage pills that like weren't even it's like an antibiotic that we're sniffing. You know? <laughs> so I love Pill Bill already. Yeah, Pill Bill was was something else. He had like two teeth in his mouth 
you know, he was he was. Did that you call character. him Bill or did you always call him Pill Bill? Pill Bill, how could you do this to me? <laughs> no, I think we created that moniker right. for him. It was Bill. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So, um, so where did it go from there? So where it went from there is uh, at the time Silk Road was a thing. Yes. And uh, Chris procured a lot of drugs on Silk yes, Road. Yes, yes. So Silk Road was a thing, and uh, my roommate, who actually died, was very into hallucinogens. And I was not at all. I was always scared of them. I felt like I lost control when I was on. And I had done acid and, and mushrooms before I even went to college. But he was like next level, like buying research chemicals yeah, on yeah, Silk yeah, Road, yeah, yeah. you know, and doing Chris like, was doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like him and, CB and all these. Weird yes. Chemicals. Him and I smoked DMT that these random people made that we. How was that? It's pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy, honestly. That one wasn't as scary. This, this DMT is like it was pretty great. I, I that was like one thing that I always wanted DMT to do. DMT was fun. And like I got sober and I got to do it. Kind of, I wasn't in recovery when I did it, obviously. But like I don't know, it was always one of those rain check. And and if you're sober, I I cannot recommend smoking DMT because no. it could really upset the apple cart. But as far as <laughs> drugs go. It was it's it was it was interesting drugs. DMT was a good one. We used to also take like fifty Benadryl, and trip out on that. See, I still take Benadryl. I, not fifty of them at once. No, I I take one. I I've, I've like, and we got to talk about this because I I, right, I, have an on, I have an ongoing Benadryl issue with the show, and um, you know, I take Benadryl to help me sleep, and I oh we talked you and I talked about do this. You t- do you take it every night? I'm back to taking it every night. Well, I take melatonin every night. I know we had sleep. this conversation. You know, so and the, I was going to get on melatonin. Right, right. I mean, like, what's, what's the? Is there a difference? I don't. I don't really know if there's a difference. I have to say, last night, I dreamt I was interviewing, because I was thinking about this, this. I know what show I'm airing this week, and I was excited to interview you today, and that was what was in my. And I, I love the dreams on Benadryl. Melatonin has good dreams too. I love that deep sleep it's like when yeah. i because if i don't take anything i wake up and i don't go back to bed but anyway let's not get let's not get caught up here we're, we're at 50 okay. fucking benadryls dmt what else are you getting off silk road uh, dopey nation's like dave we know you take fucking benadryl <laughs> they've Shut heard up. the story they're Shut sick of the story like, they're Evan. done with the benadryl yeah. story sorry Evan. no that's okay dopey nation, I apologize. so so we're really only getting the research chemicals but do you think i'm rel- relapsing on a daily basis i don't consider it relapsing i just think it's something that you gotta be careful with you know? do you have a dentist that gives you nitrous no all right continue no so we really weren't getting um you know much on silk road besides those research chemicals which i was too scared to take but um we were also like drinking bottles of robitussin which was one of the scariest things in my life salvia which was probably the scariest thing i've ever done why because I just completely like blacked out and my trip was basically like I was falling into like this black hole in the middle of a classroom and there were a bunch of hands. Hold like, on, set, set it up. You're, where are you? So I'm in a I'm in a garage somewhere. This the salvia story actually happened. I don't even understand salvia. Salvia is synthetic weed that they sell at the store, right? Uh, yeah, I'm and pretty it's like sure the it's, worst, legal. It's, it's legal. And it's the worst drug in the world. I don't know what what the fuck it is, what, honestly. What is it? You don't know. It's I don't a, know. It's some plant. It's a, it's a plant. Right. It's Yes. I don't think it's synthetic. Okay. It's a plant. It's like Kratom thing. I guess. How can Kratom and Salvia be legal? Do you know people are getting off Kratom and getting right on Suboxone all over the place? I know. I know. I know someone who was highly addicted to Kratom. Like, bad. 
Like really bad. Could not get off of it. So okay, your pill bills around when and oh you have this roommate. He's like you got to try the salvia. So basically, yeah, and we we try the salvia, and you know I go into this trip where like I blacked out. Like I'm not aware of my physical surroundings. I'm just strictly in this trip where I'm falling into a black hole, and um, you know like random hands are reaching down for me, like saying Evan, Evan, like as I'm falling into the black hole. And like 15 minutes later, I come out of it and um, they're like, dude, like, are you okay? And like, supposedly, like I was ripping couch cushions off the couch and like throwing them on the ground and then like tripping over the couch cushions and falling on the ground. But I don't remember any of that. You know, that wasn't a thing. It was just a black hole. You never hear a good salvia story. No, it was you the scariest You only hear thing. these stories. Dopey Nation, if anyone has a story, a positive experience with salvia, please send in a story to dopeypodcast.gmail.com. I, I don't know how you could have a positive story about salvia. So so we're doing that thing. Robitussin was terrible also. I, I think I almost died on how Robitussin. How often were you drinking a bottle of Robitussin? That was a one-time thing because it was so, so terrible. Like Describe it. So basically, like... I just mainly felt sick, and then, like, my head was just like, wah, 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 and then I felt like I was overheating, and I was hugging a fan, and, like, I felt like I was going to pass out, and I went and ran my head under cold water in the shower, and then, like, I slept for, like, eight hours, and finally, like, I felt okay. Like, it was not fun at all. The problem with drugs like Robitussin is there's so much other stuff in the Robitussin besides the thing, the dextromorphine or wh right. whatever it is that right. you actually want. I don't remember. Is that the chemical that you want? Yes. And Chris used to do it, too, like, and I think it was a similar thing. And it's like there's too much other stuff in there. It's just terrible. It so what, terrible. what else were you doing at this point? Seems like this was the, the salad days of your addiction. Yeah, so um, I actually had a, the girlfriend at the time. Her dad was a vet, like um, like from bumfuck Pennsylvania, like like a veteran or a veterinarian. Veterinarian. Okay. And you know, vet veterinarians have ketamine. Wow. Liquid ketamine. So we would send her home, and th this poor girl, man, I put her through hell. How did it come up that she could get ketamine? Um, you know, I think, you know, I wasn't like really like into ketamine, but my roommate was like very into like the science of hallucinogens and like all that, those, the drugs and, and stuff like that. And as soon as she had mentioned that her, her dad is a, a veterinarian, like he had said to her, like, oh, does he have ketamine? And she was like, yeah. And so she would go. How home. did she know? Was she using? She like worked for. Wow. Him. And, um, she would go home and get the liquid ketamine and, uh. My roommate would like bake it up into some crystals in the microwave somehow. He would do it. I forget how he would even do it. And, you know, he would sniff it. And um, that wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad experience. But this, this poor girl, like, was some, like, innocent girl from Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, I feel like I just corrupted her. And it, it ended up really bad with her because, um, you know, she started doing pills with me all the time. And, like, like, everyone was, like, in the dorm was, like, experimenting. We had our whole little crew. But, like, I wanted the pills. You know, I wanted the pills. And, um, you know. You wanted, you wanted oxys or oxys. Yeah, yes, yes. I wanted opiates. And they wanted to trip. And they wanted to smoke weed and do that type of deal. And, and I wanted opiates. Because it, it already made its imprint exactly, on Exactly, exactly. So I remember going home winter break and, um. I sat on the couch and I'm like feeling sick. And I'm like, what the what the fuck is going on? Like, had you started to get the habit in Philly? Yes. But where where did where were the oxys coming from? Just local. Pill Bill. Okay. Pill Bill, because he would oftentimes have the the pink 
10 milligram oxies and there's another guy this guy dan who who had oxies and so basically the ketamine the research chemicals and pill bill were all going on at the same a- time absolutely yes and yes. you're selling bud are you selling anything we're else? selling bud nothing else at the time and um you know so i had met a few people and we they had set up this like robbery basically of this this kid who who i had no clue they used me to to rob the kid basically and they sit, sat back and you know collected what was the, the robbery so you know someone who wanted pills and you know i think i think where we lived on drexel was like 34th street or something like that and they told this kid we had to connect for a lot of a lot of oxys i went down to maybe like 15th street so somewhere there and i met him and this kid is so hesitant and scared he's got like two grand he's about to give me and um the plan was was to just tell him i had to meet the guy on the street over the middleman him it was the middleman him but rob him but rob him so how did you get used in the deal so I guess they didn't want to get their hands dirty, the two the two other people, and they told me like, oh, we'll give you five hundred dollars of it. And at this time, I was like starting to be like a little down and out, like I didn't really have access to as much money, and you know the the forty dollars a week my parents were giving me wasn't enough anymore. Sure. So I was like, yeah, I'm down. So I met this kid, and he's super hesitant to to hand over the money. He wants to meet the guy himself. I'm like, the guy won't meet you. Like he'll only meet me. Finally, I convinced him to... And you know he's not going to get any pills out of this. Yeah, yeah. So, finally, I convinced him to give me the money. I'm like, the dude's here. I walk over to uh, the next street over, and as soon as I get out of sight, I run as fast as I can all the way back to 34th Street. Horrible. Terrible. What a nightmare. Terrible. I feel, uh, you know, I feel, looking back, I, uh, I feel terrible. Because I've been in that spot also the other way around. Where like, Did you tell your sponsor that story? I don't, I'm just like, this is something that just popped into my head now, like talking about Drexel, but no, I didn't, you know, I probably should make an amends to someone for that, right? Wow, if you can, I mean, oh man, have you ever been taken like that? Not like that, you know, I've no, been. No, that's high. That guy is very, very trusting and stupid to give you two grand. Yeah. Like, why don't you start yeah. with like a couple pills? I know. Start, you know what I mean? Right two off grand. the bat. Right off and the bat. And then your friends are kind of ripping you off too by only giving you 500 exactly. when you're doing everything. So, so I, I come back with the money and I text them and I'm like, I think I should get more money. And they're like, nah, nah, you're not getting like, dude, are you kidding me? We had a deal. And I was like, all right, whatever. I have $500. And then I went and bought more pills. But anyway, so I come home for winter break. And I'm sitting on the couch and I'm starting to feel sick and I'm like, what is going on? And then it hits me. I'm like, I'm withdrawing. And that was the first time I was really like a Fuck. little scared. Right. A little scared. Like, cause you know, like that the things could be addicting, but like, you don't really, you don't know what it is to be in withdrawal right. or to be addicted. Right. So a normal person, right. Would, would, um, go back. Cause I had, you know, you're home for a few weeks. So I wasn't like sick anymore. When I go back, a normal person would be like, all right, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like, I'm not going to go down that route. I'm hitting Pill Bill up as soon as I'm I'm on the train back. Already, you know, setting it up to go pick up as soon as I get back from winter break. Well, how, how far into withdrawal did you go? Um, Not that extreme, you know, just like... Uh, but you didn't run and cop here. No, no, I didn't know anyone around here. It wasn't to the point yet where I was so deep where it was like, okay, like I need to... I need to like go find which which happened, but not until I came home. So basically, the rest of the school year, I did not go to class. Um, I got academically dismissed from the program. I was in a physician's assistant program, 
and I came. So you up, always had some interest in, in medicine. Yes, and yes, in definitely helping people. And definitely, stuff. definitely. So um, I come home and I'm like, "Fuck, what am I going to do with my life?" And I spiral from there, like heavy, heavy spiral. Um, I met some kid who was willing to front me, like fifty blues at a time, fifty Roxies at a time to sell. And was um, it Jay? No, <laughs> it was not. It was not fentanyl Jay. Or infamous Ian. Or infamous Ian. Or Wiz. No. It wasn't anyone in no, Jay's crew. It was not anyone in Jay's crew. Okay. So um Dopey Nation, I love Jay, by the way, for all you out there who are uh, kind of shitting on him a little bit. Uh he he's a great guy. So I just wanna shout, shout dude, out to Jay. Shout out to Shout out to Jay. Jay. There was a dude at the meeting today. It was fucked up. He was probably fifty five. I think it was the first time he was there. It was a meeting all about fear. And and it, the meeting was like it was eight fifty seven. Meeting ends at nine. He shares that uh, his son died from fentanyl in January. Okay, like in, in his father's day. And I'm like, Jesus. fuck. If Jay heard this thing, like, what does that do to him? You know, it's just like Absolutely. it's it's fucking thick and and convoluted to be a drug addict who deals fentanyl. Um, and get sober and, and who knows Thank thank God Jay's sober He's doing Yeah good. yeah No he's You know I only know Jay sober But The Jay that I know Is an amazing person And I think anyone Who's dealt with addiction You know Realizes that we do things When we're caught no, up You just robbed this poor kid for Exactly you, you, think, you think I'm the type of person Who would normally do that You know well, No You know what I'm, I'm saying not, I'm not giving you two grand <laughs> So you know We do things that You know We wouldn't normally do You know And was his particularly bad Yeah But I've done some Particularly bad things You know And uh, you know I don't think we should Be totally Okay Okay I'm with you it. I'm with you But that was heavy at the meeting I wanted to share that with Absolutely. you Absolutely Now Fucking Dude, not Jay or Wiz or any of his crew, are fronting yes. you 50 blues a day. Yes, fronts me 50 blues a day. Big mistake on his You're part. You're using Because I'm using. So I'm doing probably like... 49. <laughs> at least 35 to okay, 40, right. coming up four or $500 short every time. So how does, how does he deal with that? I figure out ways to, to get money. And what would you do? This is where it got really bad, honestly. So um, there were times where I had... It's not going to be a big bowling tournament. That no, no, day. definitely wasn't a big bowling tournament. So I had um, one particular time, like my, my parents knew I was wrapped up at this at this point. They knew. And, um, you know, I told my dad that I owed some big drug dealer money and I, I needed and money. And he knew you were strung out. He knew I was strung out. Um, they had never dealt with anything that, like this before. So they didn't really know until later on, like kind of the, the extent and like how to deal with it. So I told him I needed money, like I, I I I owed some big drug dealer, and he was afraid for me, you know. And and I had to meet him at the mall to give him the money, and um, you know, my dad wanted to come because he was scared. So he came and he drove us, and uh, he walked in the mall, and we like walked into the food court, and I was like, what am I gonna do? Like my dad had given me the money to go give this drive. My dad wanted to oversee it to make sure nothing happened. So I went and sat down at this random kid's table. He was sitting by himself. And I said, listen, I looked at him. I said, listen, I'm going to pretend to give you some money right now. And you're going to get up and walk away. And the kid was like, what? And I was like, just pretend to take the money. And so I did that. And somehow. And the kid did it. The kid did it. And you kept the money. And I kept the money. That was one example. Another example is um, I had this, this friend who was using with me. Because you were going to. Why? But. 
didn't the dealer need to get the money back in order for you to stay getting drugs? Exactly. You just didn't want your dad to see the guy? Like, why that did was you? It, that wasn't at the mall? Yeah. That was a random person. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is if you're strung out and you owe the dealer money and you tell your dad and your dad gives you money to give the dealer, who got the money? The dealer ended up getting the money. It probably would have been smarter to just go to the yeah, dealers. But, you know, you make up these stories when you're but out But why there. do you think that you didn't want to do it? Like, what do you think? Was, I mean, like, my dad used like, I remember at the end of my run, and I've told this story, so forgive me. My, I would tell my dad I owed all these people in our buildings money, and I told him I owed them twice as much money that I did. And I also told him that I couldn't have him at the door with me because it's too embarrassing. So I would take half the money pay the person back and go right. cop. But why do you think you, and I'm just saying that so you understand that I, I, I've been in a similar situation. Yeah. Why do you think you didn't want to actually just pay the guy when you were going to pay him anyway? Um, or is that, that a stupid question? No, that's a good question. I can't give you an answer as to what I was thinking. You, you didn't in want that him moment. to see the guy. Maybe I didn't want him to see the guy or I didn't want to walk back with a bottle filled with pills right. and get in the car right. with the pills shaking in my pocket. Right, but I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly what I was thinking. Because you wouldn't have moment. been able to like hide the fact that you were happy and got drugs. and Yeah. Yeah. But the fucked up part about it is like my dad wanted to bring the gun that he had. And so like I put my dad in that position where. He, I don't even think the gun worked. It was like this old and school what was, gun. And was, what was he going to do with it? I don't know. Threaten the kid. Like, I think he was afraid for my life, you know? Like, he was afraid that this, this drug dealer that I had made up was going to, like, attack me or something, you know? So I put my dad in that position. So that, that was one way that I... And then, but you, how did you keep it going? With the, with the dealing? Yeah. So um, another way was I had someone who was buying from me and... I had a friend who was using with me at the time. And, um, you know, this was like an old guy, right? And so I said, like, I, I couldn't sell him the, the pills because, like, I didn't have the pills, you know, to sell him. So I set up the deal anyway, and I said to my friend, I said, listen, I said, if you rob this guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's fucked up. I'll give you two blues and $40 when I re-up. Oh, my God. I couldn't even do my own dirty work, you know what How I'm saying? How could you? So we pull up to the, the guy's house and um, I pop the trunk and I take the money and I close the trunk and I couldn't even look. I didn't even have the balls to look. And we just got in the car and drove off. So what happened? Did he call you, that guy? The next morning. And I still to this day don't know how he knew where I lived because he had never come to my house. I had a bat through my windshield in my, my car the next, the next how morning. How old was the old guy? He had to be in his 50s. Had to be in his 50s. So, well, that was another way that I got the money. And, you know, this, this like... By robbing that guy. Robbing that guy, yeah. That's rough. Yeah, it's bad, man. I did... There was no did bowling some, tournament. No, it was definitely <laughs> no bowling tournament at this point. There were no, there were no bowling tournaments. Right. So, you know, that's how bad it got for me. And then eventually... How guilty did you feel? I think I was numb at that point. Sick, right? Numb because I was just, like... Like, I wanted to get high, one, and two, like, that was not who I was. Like, I'm not a tough guy. Like, I never fought, you know, like, I wasn't a street guy. Like, that's not, like... But there's certain things that you need to kind of be able to present in that situation. Right. You know, you're in that world. You're of that world. You need to speak the language and kind of be able to be of the world. And, and in, in that scenario, like, 
you knew what had to be done. You just couldn't do it. Exactly. And you and you pay the dude, and and it's just I see it in your face, like it's it 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 shakes. Yeah, you. man. It's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, like that's the shit. Like you hold that guilt over for a long time. You know, the the stuff that's that's hard to let go. And there's is there is there amends for that guy? I think it's a living amends. You know, I don't. I don't Do you know who he is. I have no clue who he is. I don't remember his name or where yeah, he right. lives. You know, so I think it's, you know, given back in other ways. That's that's the only way I could really make amends to that, that particular person. So uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> he's like that fucking bowling champion. Um. So like, what the fuck? So that happens. So so that happens. I keep coming up short. Keep coming up short. I end up owing the the dealer who's fronting me like. Like eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollars, something like that, and like I couldn't maintain it. So like I come clean to my parents, like this is what I'm doing. Like I owe this guy money again, again. And my dad's like, I'm coming with you to drop it off to see you face to face. I don't know if he knew that like I didn't give the kid money at the mall that time, and I and they were like, you need to get help. And I went into rehab for the first time. Did he go with you to give the kid money? Dropped it off in in the car. And in the kid was there. We drove, we drove by his car. My dad was in the driver's seat. I was here. I got out of the seat. I went around. I gave the kid money in the car. The car was right next to, to our car, my dad's car, as we pulled up. He saw the kid. And he, yeah, he saw the Did kid. Did he give you pills? No. That was the end. I was going to rehab. Did the you next go straight day. to detox? The next day, the next morning, I went into, into rehab. Where'd you go? Seafield. All right. Seafield. That's West local. Ham- yeah, West Hampton Beach. And I stayed for three days before my insurance caught me. And, um, what do you mean before your insurance guy? So your insurance will sometimes only cover a certain amount of days for you to stay in the rehab. So I guess because it was my first time, I hadn't really done outpatient before. They gave me three days to detox when we all know that's that's not nearly enough. And I um, and then they said, OK, we're not giving you any more days. Go do outpatient. So you you left Seafield three left days in. Three days in, yeah. To do outpatient to live at home? Yeah, but no choice. I wanted to stay. It was no choice of my own. You know, I wanted to stay, but, um, you know, my insurance wouldn't cover it. So I said, you know, I'll show them. Fuck, how, how dare you do that to me? I'm trying to get help. I'm a 19-year-old kid. Like, how could you do that to me? You know, that whole, like, yeah. selfish, like, yeah. it's all about me mindset. Victim, victimizing right, yourself. Right. And, um, you know, I had met someone in rehab who I started hanging out with, that whole story. Not a girl, a guy. And we started doing dope together. And that was the first time I'd done dope. It's another kind of rehab romance. Yeah. It's very similar, actually. And that, that kid is is actually, um, he's also dead today. So so that's when you crazy. tried heroin, out, so, out of Seafield. Out of Seafield, yes. Yes, and at this point... And you you're know, still living at your parents' house. I'm still living at my parents' house. And they're house. enduring you. Yeah. And yeah. just before we move forward, Evan just celebrated two years, and I met his parents... And his dad didn't look high at all. And, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, you, you have a nice relationship with your parents. Yeah, they're Spoiler great. Spoiler alert. They're great. They're anyway, amazing. Okay, so fucking you're copping dope out of Seafield. Did you shoot it? Not at first. Not at first. I sniffed it, but um, very shortly thereafter, I was, I was shooting it. Um, that same kid who I met in rehab helped me shoot up for the first time. At this point, I'm also smoking crack, which I didn't, I didn't um, start doing through that kid from Seafield, it was actually through a, the same friend who introduced me to Roxy's, who actually was the first person that I, I smoked crack with. And that was another one of my loves, man, you know? So now at this point, I can't rely on like being middled. Like I needed to 
figure it out myself. And I knew about this town close to us that was um, a bad town. Was it Bellport? Not Bellport. Gordon Heights. I don't even know it. That's how bad it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, it's a really bad area. And I would would drive in there and I would park my car. And I would go up to where I would see, like, the sketchiest looking people. And this is like, you know, I'm a white 19-year-old skinny kid at this point, you know. But I needed my fix, you know. So I would go up and be like, oh, you got You, you were like crack? a classic junkie character. Yeah, yeah, you got crack, you got dope. They'd be like, let me see you take a hit right in front of me. And I'd be like, okay. okay. <laughs> I'd be like, great, great. Like, not a problem. So um, that's how I started to get my, my own dealers. And um, so within like a month of me getting out of of Seafield, the first time I'm back in Seafield for 21 days. And um, how do you, how were you paying for it? My, we went no, through, no, no, the dope and the crack. Oh, um, random, this stealing, stealing from my parents. Yeah, that's a big piece. You know, I would steal from, from anyone that I could. I would steal coins and go to Coinbase and, and do that whole deal. I would steal jewelry and pawn it. And, and, you know, my parents had these. So you were stealing constantly. Constantly. Not from the people who I loved the most. Not going to stores and doing the whole, you know, stealing where from it was Home easy. Depot. Exactly. Where you had trust. Exactly. Not even trust at that point. Just I knew. A- access. Yeah. So, I, you know, I would steal. And I think, listen, I also want to say this. I, I think it takes courage to be able to talk about this and be thorough in it. Like, and yeah, I want to be as that. thorough as possible. And I'm sure some people are going to be like, wow, Evan's, Evan's a fucking scumbag. But listen. <laughs> We all, I, I stole from my parents. I stole from I stole from everybody. Yeah. And I'm not saying it to justify it. I'm just saying we do shit that we wouldn't want to do. Absolutely. So before you judge Evan, take a look in the mirror. Well, absolutely. You know, it's like I would never do this stuff today or before my addiction. But like, in you the know, throes I was of sick. It. I was sick in the head and like uh, mental. Yeah, okay. yeah, just just completely. You know, I stole like a coin collection that my great grandparents had brought over from Poland when they immigrated. You know, like it's all insanity. this this shit that you know you can't replace. You know, like it, it, terrible, terrible. So that's how I was. You know, and I commend you for, for being this honest. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I wanna, it's good. Like, this is this is what I, you know, this is my truth. This is my story. You know, this is where it took me. Um, you know, so after the, everything was, was stolen and and there was nothing left to steal, I'm taking, like, pairs of sunglasses and shoes to the dealer and, like, please give me a 10 rock, please, you know, anything, anything. And they just looked at me like a fiend, you know. Um, so there's a situation where I let my car out to a to a dealer and um you know he gave me like a hundred piece of crack and and a bundle for it or something and he was supposed to bring it back by midnight so it's like twelve thirty. i'm at my house i don't hear from him one one a.m get a knock on the door suffolk police oh no yep and he um he's like do you own a dodge charger and i'm like yeah, and he's like, it was in a high-speed chase, and we don't know where it is. He's like, who has your car? And I'm like, uh, uh and I'm, I've been smoking crack all night, you know, so I'm cracked Tomorrow. up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, like, uh, I don't know, I lent it for some weed, and they're like pressing me, like pressing me. And um, they don't, like, finally they end up leaving, and they find my car, like, like two hours later, and... The whole side of the car is smashed in, and it's like three thousand dollars worth of damage. Um, bad. And that was my first car, 
And my parents always bailed me out. They always bailed me out, man. You know, which, you know, I'm grateful for that. They never kicked me out. You know, did my addiction go on longer? Maybe. But if they also kicked me out, I don't know where I would have been. So wait, what happened then? When? When, when you're, you're getting pressed by the cops, how did that end? Pretty much like they were asking me these questions and I was like floundering with my words, you know, and not like giving them what they wanted. And eventually they were just like, all right, well, we'll let you know if we, we find it. Like nothing really came of it. You what know what happened to the car? They randomly found the car abandoned somewhere in Quorum. And Did you it, find the dealer? You're like, okay, you owe me like 300 pieces of crack. So and he like said, he said, he said, yo, you, you, the man, like, uh, like you didn't blah, blah, blah. Like, like, uh, I got you on, on, on free, free shit for a little bit. And that lasted like a day. Right. You know, it was a glorious day. <laughs> it right? was a great day in, in an addict's world. So, um, so anyway, I end up like shortly thereafter, I end up going back to, to rehab again, back to see field. And your parents are, are taking care of it. Pretty much. Well, no, the insurance covered 21 days this time. Because they saw I couldn't, I couldn't stay clean. I guess so the insurance stupid company. that you only got three days the first crazy, time. It crazy, crazy! Like, you know these insurance companies are fucked up, man. They're setting people up to die. So um, anyway, I or go. At least to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go in there for 21 days. I come out. I relapse right away, and I start the same spiel for like another five, six months, and then I go away again to somewhere in Pennsylvania. And then I go to a sober house in Connecticut, a Christian sober house. So as you said before, you know, I grew up Jewish, but not really like like my heritage is Jewish, but like we were not religious at all. Like like we would do some of the holidays to like appease my grandparents, um, but I never went to temple. I never got bar mitzvah. N- none of that. So um, I had no concept of any sort of religion. And they, I was so broken at the time when I went to that Pennsylvania rehab. They were like, OK, I was like, tell me what to do. They're like, all right, we're going to send you to a Christian sober house in Connecticut. And I'm like. Okay, just send me there. Step one, accept <laughs> Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Check. So, so needless to say, the Christian sober house did not keep me sober. But um, you know, like a few days within being there, and this this was like in the hood of Connecticut. My parents dropped me off there. Which town in Connecticut? New London. Okay. And my parents dropped me off there, and they were like, "What did we just do? Like, right? Where Why did, did we, we do this? Where did we drop off?" Because at that point, I mean, it's like the story you're telling is like a classic story and it's like and it's like every time it gets worse and 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 you learn more and more and more about your addiction you learn about what you're willing to do you learn how to get out of shit how to like get free shit and your parents say oh my god i can't believe what happened to our son and how do we save him exactly exactly so i'll I'll fast forward a little bit and I'll spare you the the Connecticut story i mean all that really happened there was that i continued to to get high um and then i ended up coming home and I kept using it, and this point, I'm down bad. Like, I'm shooting coke, I'm shooting dope, I'm taking a lot of Xanax. Bad mix, bad, bad mix. And there was one, at one point, like, my parents were like, what do we do with this kid? And, and I'm still using it. It's like a few weeks after I'm back from Connecticut. And, um, you know, I shoot, I never speedballed, but I would shoot the coke and then wait to come down and then shoot the dope. Why weren't you speedballing? Um, I was never really into it. I was never really into it. I liked one or the other, you know. Um, so there was one point where, like, I don't know if I overdosed, but, like, I feel like like I was on the brink of, of overdosing. And, like, like I felt like I was about to go out. And I, I ran out of my room, and, I, and my dad was there, and I said, I, I think I'm overdosing. And he, like, led me down to the couch, and I passed out for, like, 48 hours straight. Did not get up, like. Like, and at this time, in I, your parents' house, in my parents' house, and they house. didn't call the ambulance. No, 
No, because they, they saw me still breathing, you know, right, at right, the time. Right, right, like, right. they would constantly be checking on what I was breathing. Your parents were probably hardcore enablers. Oh, my God, it's definitely. like they were letting you die in the and, house. And everyone, God bless them. Everyone would tell them, you they know, you need you, to kick them out. They loved you a lot, right? You need to kick them out. You need to kick them out. And they just, you know, I get it. Like, if you're a parent and your child's using you're afraid that if you kick them out and they They're go and die, die right. you're, you live with that guilt the rest right. of your life. Right, right. You know, so I understand. And, and you know... So people ask me sometimes, like parents of, of clients or whoever will be like, what should I do? Should I kick them out? And I won't touch that question because I'm not going to be responsible for that. I can't tell you. know, everyone's situation say? is different. I say everyone's situation is different. I suggest going to Al-Anon. Right. Or Narconon. Narconon, right. yeah. My parents went to Families Anonymous. And they oh, were yeah? Like, they were like, let him be. Leave him alone. They, you know, don't pay his rent. Don't yeah. do fucking anything. Yeah. But I, I didn't live in my parents' house after 17 or something because... Like, it was a small apartment. Nobody wanted... To, we didn't want to be around each other. Right, right, right. Anyway, so fucking... Where are we? So I come home you, from you Connecticut. Overdose, and I and Basically, I think so. And at that point, I'd given myself enough time, like, where I was able to take Suboxone. So I got on Suboxone. And this started a new chapter of my, my story. So I take Suboxone. I get on Suboxone. And uh, I continue to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I stay, stay sober from dope and, and crack and I don't drink and I just smoke weed and I do suboxone. And this continued for a long time, a long time, probably like 18 months. And, um, you know, I'm starting to come off the suboxone and I'm like, what do I want to do with my life? Cause when you get on suboxone, like, and you're, oh, you're smoking weed, like your life can be stable. You know, stable where you're not fucking everything up. Everything isn't a fucking disaster. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, what do I want to do with my life? So, um, and I'm not proud of this, and I want to preface this with saying, like, there are amazing substance abuse counselors out there, and I don't want anyone to get the wrong opinion that, like, counselors do this. I've never, I've heard of counselors relapsing before, but I've never heard, like, my particular story where it's like, you become a counselor and you're still using at the time. It's great. So, it's one of the great, <laughs> it's one of the greatest stories in the history and, of stories. And you know what? Because it's like, well, I know about drugs, uh, and I've kicked drugs a million times and I've gone what were you thinking what's the thing I know about this stuff I think one it was like total just lying to myself and being in denial that like I thought I was sober like like right, I, I deep, kicked though. like I kicked heroin I kicked smoking crack like I'm sober like I have 18 months like I'm I'm sober you know like I can help somebody even though I would go to NA and I would hear like, that's not sober, you know? It's still in my mind. I was like, well, look, you know? And I think it was also the desire to have other people see me and say, he's he got a path. He's got a path. He's helping people. Like, look at what he came out of. And, and then I'm sure a piece of you knew that, like, if you got into this world, it probably would help you. Well, that's what I, that's what I thought, you know? And, I, and I, was, I had convinced myself that, you know, when... I get through school, like I'll stop smoking weed, you know, like the same lie that I told myself before I went to Drexel. Right. Like, you know, I'll stop smoking weed and I'll be off subs by then, you know, like, so I'll, I'll be really doing it the right, you know, the right way. Needless to say, that did not happen. I did get off Suboxone. Suboxone I got off of. How did you get off Suboxone? Slow taper. How long? Because I think I, I took Suboxone, you know, a bunch of times. I, I never stayed on it. And, and, and there's so many people in the Dopey Nation who are on very long-term Suboxone. I know so many people yeah. who are on very long-term Suboxone. And I think it will be helpful for people to know how you got off of it. Yeah, so, um, you know, under the guise of a doctor, 
you know, not on my own, but a very, you know, I had to push the doctor. Under the supervision of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys, I don't think is the right what word. Is the, what does that mean? Guys, it's like, I don't, I think it's like almost like, uh, like not like a really. Facade. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So like it's the, a fake, under, under the guise of a fake doctor. The, under the guidance of yeah, a doctor. <laughs> there we go. That's yes. the right word. So, um, that, but I had to push him because I found like a lot of suboxone doctors like they they make money off of it. They you want know? you to they stay want on you to it. stay on it. So I had to push him like I want to get off of it, and he would cut. Why me. did you want to get off of it? I didn't like I didn't like continuing to be on it. I knew I was still like you Lying. know yeah right. You right. were dishonest, and you had to get drugs to stay well. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Like I have no, I have minimal judgment, very little judgment, or no judgment of people on suboxone. I say. Do your thing, and, and, and I wish you only the best. I just know that whenever I had to take something to stay well, fuck with my head. Yeah, no, and I could not work a program on it um, or, or really grasp the concepts. But what I will say is, like, especially nowadays with the fentanyl, like, what's better? Suboxone. You know, like, you're going to die on fentanyl, you know, like, most like, not, you know, you know what I'm saying. So, like, like if, if suboxone is something that, you know, keeps you from doing fentanyl like at least for the time being like like okay like you know it helped me to get off of it so how long were you on it probably like 18 months to two years it's the most important thing is is exactly what you're saying like it's better to be stable than be unstable it's better to be living than dying just know that if you're on suboxone like you can get off of it. You don't have right. to, but you can. Yeah. Like or these people on very long term methadone. You don't have to get off of it, but you can. It's and like as I mean, you were on Suboxone for two years. I was on methadone for probably eight years. You know, uh, off and on in the end for at least four years. And you can get off and you can get well. It's possible. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's a huge stigma behind it. You know, especially in the rooms. You know, you hear people. Uh, you know, they don't share about it because, like, because right. they're judged. Right. Exactly. And exactly. in the world of dopey, we do not judge you. We no. We want to give you some sort of like reality check and like hope. Like you can be on Suboxone for long term. You can come off it. So how how long was the taper? How long were you on like the half milligram or the quarter milligram or whatever? Um, so they had switched me from the strips to the 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 uh, Subutex at one point because uh, my insurance changed or something like that had happened. And um, so it was like different dosages with the Subutex, like weird dosages. So there was a point like at the very end. You know, the, I start I started tapering maybe like at about a, a year. You know, I started coming down, and I would go like a month, and then I would come down like two milligrams, and, and it it was. What all, was your dose when you started? Sixteen. Okay. And it was every single time it came down was easy until it. Which went, is a big dose. Yeah, but every time it came down, it was fine. No, no difference until it went from something to nothing. Do you think that's mostly mental? Probably, probably right. because at the end I was taking like a crumb of the pill. Well, this is something I talk about all the time on the show. It's like, I don't, I don't have opinions about anything, but I think it's fucking crazy that they don't have microdoses of Suboxone. I know. Like, how can there not be a, a, a one milligram, a 0.9, a 0.8, a 0.7, a 0.6, a 0.5, uh, all the way down? Yeah. Like, why are people having crumbs and they don't know what they're taking? Like, wouldn't a doctor even profit from that system? Like, so you know, so you can get down to 0.025 or something so you feel safe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're I think, totally right. I think that's something, that's the mark on the world I want to make. 
if nothing else, really low dose of boxing Okay, pills. That's right. what I want to do. I like it. I believe I like it. in it. Do you think that's crazy or do you think that could be something? No, I mean, listen, you just need a lot of money to create ideas like this, you know? But couldn't a pharmaceutical mo- company make money off of that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I think that, you know, it's like... How can that be medically sound? To be like, you're on a milligram, now we're going to start breaking crumbs. And the doctors say, okay, one crumb today. I mean, you know, medically sound. I mean, look at Purdue Pharma and all these these companies right. with oxycodone. You right. know, that was not medically sound and, and it happened, you know. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, is it similar? No. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's no, something it that really bothers it doesn't. me. It doesn't. So you're down to the crumb for how down long? Down to the crumb for a couple months. And I'm like doing every other day, but I can't, you know, and I'm getting through it. Like I have the sweats, like it wasn't terrible, but like I couldn't sleep. I could not sleep no matter what I did. Benadryl, uh, melatonin, I could not sleep. So they put me on Seroquel. Yeah, that's that's a good one. A low dose of Seroquel, which worked. Yeah, So that is really how I like got off of it officially because I was able to sleep. I could, I could fight through the the sweats and like the chills a little bit. How long do you think you didn't sleep for well, I still had it, so if I, I really wasn't sleeping, I would take the crumb of the subutech, and then I would go to, and I would go back. I'd be like, I can't do it, like I can't sleep. And they were like, Oh, well, let's try you on Seroquel. And at that, I think it was like twenty-five milligrams. How long were you on the Seroquel? Uh, a good while, like a long. And Seroquel is an antipsychotic. Yeah, it is at at higher doses. Yes, it's off-label for sleep, but at at higher doses, it's it's used as an antipsychotic. Um, but I was probably on Seroquel, a low dose of Seroquel, f- until I got sober this time. I think time. I could use some Seroquel. I don't think you need Seroquel. <laughs> you think Benadryl is good enough? Uh, yeah, I think it's probably better than Seroquel <laughs> in that I, sense. I'm just, okay. I, only, I only did Seroquel like the last time. No, it was the second to last time I went to detox. My, my neighbor guy in, my, in, in the public detox had like a crazy high... Uh, dose of Seroquel and I gave him all access to Marlboro Reds for Seroquels. Yeah, night. that'll fuck you up. A high dose like that? Well, if he you don't was take getting it? like 300 milligrams or something crazy and yeah. I, was, I was taking 100 of them at night. Okay. Because I was coming off of, of tons of uh, dope and benzos. Right, right, yeah. And it made my stay there really pleasant. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It makes a lot. So I got off the Seroquel uh, when I got sober this time. Yeah, and this then what? Um, I was able to sleep at that point. And you're still smoking bud. Well, no, no, no. So let's back up. Please. So um, I, I didn't get off the... I continued to smoke bud, and I was taking Seroquel. As, as a, as to a, sleep. As a, as a counselor. As a counselor, and, yes. And you were not, you were not uh, disclosing shit. I acted as if I was in recovery. Right. Um, Did you feel guilty? Absolutely. Absolutely. This was like, you know, I'd been through physical withdrawals, and I share about this when I qualify. It was like... This was a time where I like felt my like personality split because like I knew like I was I was a counselor by day and like still an addict by night, you know, still doing my dirt by night. But it, it wasn't like, you know, like I I justified that for a long time and I stopped going to meetings, but I would preach all this this shit to to my clients and um, about meetings about and meetings. And re- yes, exactly. And um, in what was it? March of. 2018 or 19 no it must have been 2019 i went to mexico for spring break and in mexico i started drinking it again doing coke 
Um, in Mexico, like if you go off the resort, like and you go into a store, it's like a pharmacy that you could just like pick what you want. Yeah, that's great. So <laughs> as an addict, yeah. What did you get? Ritalin. Wow, you were out of all the things on the wall. I didn't choose it. Like I was still like kind of. Did they have oxys? I don't know. We didn't ask. They had, they they had Xanax. But they you didn't. You want. You didn't want it. No, no. For some reason. So we started. We did Ritalin. Sniffed Ritalin the whole trip. Did coke the whole trip. Drank the whole trip. No downers. No downers. We got some weed, but um, and it like activated everything they talk about in. You know, the doctor's opinion, like, the obsession was back immediately for, like, the uppers. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go for the downers at that point. Yeah, it's weird. I think, like, because I knew... It would fuck you. It would fuck me. And I didn't want to go through the withdrawals again, like, of sure. all that. Yeah. So I just knew it would fuck me so bad. So I, I stayed away from it. So I came home, and um, now I'm drinking on the weekends, and I'm doing coke on the weekends. And I'm and you're still working. And I'm a counselor during the week, and... um. You know, I'm praying Monday. Like, I didn't want to do it. Like, I knew, like, this is like this is bad. This is not good at this point. Like, I knew I was just, like, fucked again. But, like, for so somehow, like, I guess because I was going into work and I still needed to, like, in my head maintain that, like, I wasn't using during the week. And, like, but Monday I felt like shit. And I would pray every night, like, on, on Monday, like, please, God, don't let me do this again this weekend. And, you know, because I felt like shit from the weekend at that point. And Thursday comes around. When did you come up with praying at that point? It was like total foxhole fucking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like you were like, I'm total like, uh, you know, self-esteem in the toilet. Hate yeah. yourself. Like, yes. Because it's, it's, it's almost like, I mean, the, the, the dude that beat the guy, the old guy, that's bad. This is bad, too. Yeah. But it's the same kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's absolutely. Like it's, it's total betrayal. And also it's like you can't be the person that you're. You're pretending to Well, be. think about it this way. You know, like, people would come up to me and, like, thank me for, like, saving their Right, family and you're, like, member. a total fucking fraud. Exactly. In your head. Exactly. In reality, you really aren't. You're lying. You're I'm presenting. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite, Fine, but, but I think I... but you still are doing good. I think I... Yes, I think, like, there was something to that, is that I did, you know, help people, but I, you know, I was a fake. You know, I was presenting as something, and I, I was something different. Um... You know, so this continued for like a year, a year and um, COVID hit and we went from the office to, to home, to home, you know, um, seeing clients and stuff, seeing clients on Zoom, on Zoom. And I never, I never used during work. Like when I was working, like I didn't, I wouldn't like, I, I never no, because used. You would be found out. Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, I, I would, I maintain that. Um, but you know, I started using during the week after work or. Or I would, st and you know, I would be up for hours and I couldn't sleep because I'm doing coke, you know, and like it got to the point where like I couldn't leave my house without doing coke, like to, to even like go see a friend to like just get tropical smoothie or like random shit. Like I could not leave my house. It like, because you were paranoid. Not even paranoid. Like I just felt like I was at this point where I couldn't socialize or be happy without coke, you know? And you didn't want to get high on coke and go out with the guys? No, I did. All right. I did. Yes. I definitely did. But, um, you know. I but if you didn't have it, you weren't leaving the house. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the counseling is paying for the drugs. Pretty much, yeah, for the most part. Where else is money coming from? No, that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. Um, but it wasn't a crazy habit at that point. I mean, it was. How bad was it at the end? I mean, it was pretty much. There was a short period where it was like 
doing it every day. It was maybe you were like snorting it or shooting it. Snorting it. Um, Did you ever consider shooting it at that point? There was one point where I considered it where because I had been doing so much that my nose was so stuffed I could not get a thing up my nose, but I didn't do it. Thank God I didn't do Cause it. Because you were like, as soon if I do this, it's, it's there's no turning back. Like uh, like it'll cross the line. Like some had, in my mind, there was like this imaginary line. Is like I haven't done opiates, I haven't used a needle, I haven't smoked crack. Like and that was the imaginary and line. And I still have my job. I still have my job. You know, I knew everything would go downhill. Um, if I had done that, which it went downhill anyway, but, uh, so basically, you know, uh, what had happened was, you know, I'm using close to, to every day at this point after work, you know, I'm up for hours. I'm miserable. Um, my girlfriend, like she knows like the jig is up at this point. Like she knows like same girl that you're with now. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, um, when we had first met, I was using at the time, but she didn't know my history. Like she was using with you. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. We would drink together, but she she it wasn't a big deal. Use. She didn't know who you were. Right. She doesn't. She does. She doesn't use. She never did drugs or anything like that. Um, she would just drink here and there. So um, the jig was all, like. So I didn't tell her like, oh, I'm an addict. You know, like she just saw after a point like every time she would see me like my pupils are huge like you know. Uh, you're fucked up. I'm fucked up. Yeah. You know, so the jig is up with her at this point. Like, she's like, you got to get help. I'm like, I could do it on my own still thinking in my head. And like, I couldn't do it on my own. Like, and then like, it got to a point where, you know, at the very end, um, I'd been up for like days and I was like downstairs, like, or like two, three in the morning. And I'm like, just so like almost hallucinating. Like at this point, like I'm in like such a fog and just like haven't slept and, I put a, a frozen bagel in the microwave uh, for like five minutes on high and, uh, and I, and I pass out from just like being sleep deprived and the smoke alarm goes off and my parents run downstairs and they're like, what the fuck's going on? What's going on? And uh, I'm like, Oh, the, the bagels in the toaster and it's not in the toaster. It's in the microwave. And like, and they're uh, like no one will microwave a bagel in a Jewish home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I was just microwaving to get it soft enough I know, to I'm cut kidding, it. I'm just <laughs> so five um, minutes is too much. <laughs> so um, I was like, I gotta get help. Like I gotta, I gotta go to to rehab. So I didn't even let my job know, and um, mm. I was just like, I got family things going you on. You told your folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I like, just, I gotta go back. You're yeah. like, I fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have a great relationship with your parents. Oh, they're they're amazing. They are they're just like the best people. Thank God ever. you're fucking sober, because that kind of enabling codependence could go the other way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, I can see it with my my sister. She's not an addict, but like in in different ways. Um, you know, with them enabling, it's all out of love. You know, it's out of love. Oh, I but, get it. But they're amazing people, and I don't know where I would be without them. Like seriously, like I have so much love for them. So where did you go? I went back to Seafield. Third time's the Third charm. Third time's the charm, and funny Thank enough, it was. But I was, God. I was so desperate and scared um, that I did every single thing that they told me to do. And they were like, "You gotta go to a sober house." No, I didn't go to a sober house. I came home after. I so, came. so, so, and how did you find the meeting? Well, there were no in-person meetings at the time because it was the height of COVID. You came two summers ago, right? For the first time, yeah. with, with a shitload of people. June twenty twenty. Like, I remember, like, that crew showed up, yeah. and I was like, who are these young people at our yeah. meeting? 
And I was like, is everything going to change? And, <laughs> and like, you know how it goes. Like, like it yeah. changes for a week and then yeah. people stop coming. Yeah, man. And you stuck it out. Like, how many people stuck it out with you? Um, So there's one person who was in there who's still sober. Uh, one person got sober again and now has over a year sober, but they relapsed. And many of the other people I I don't know where they are or they're out there using it's like um, sperms to an egg. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I, I stuck it out, you know, and, and I did, you know, for the first time I did it like the real way. Like I didn't smoke weed. I got off Seroquel, like actually like completely 100% off of every mind mood altering substance. And, um, I got a sponsor and I went through the steps and, and, um, and here I am today. What was I going to say? Um, First of all, Evan is like one of the greatest people I know and I love you. And uh, it's fucking like, it's just like, it's funny to hear the story. You know what I mean? It's funny to hear the story. And like when you're, when you're counting days or something, like, do you think you can do it? Like, like, or, or like what, what was your experience in very early recovery? I, I didn't have, I didn't think I had a choice, like not in the sense of like, oh, like people were forcing me, but like I did not want to live in the misery of hiding again and being someone who I wasn't and going back to, you know, doing dope or whatever. So like there was no other option for me except to to do it 100%. And that's how I saw it in my mind, you know? So I just, I was miserable the other way for for like a while. Right. So I was like, this is this is either what I'm going to do or like I'll go back out again and I'll keep doing this same shit and I'll be in and out of rehab or eventually I'll go back to dope. And like, it, you know, the way I use you know, when I first was doing dope, it was it was heroin. Now it's fentanyl. You know, I'll die if I use the way I use with fentanyl, you know, when I was in your your 28, 27. Right. When I was 27. I don't even remember. You know what I mean? Like when I was 27, I was. Like, I literally don't remember. Like, I, I don't know what my life between 25 and 35 was. Like, I don't know if I was in Florida. Like, I, 27, I was, it was, oh, maybe I do remember. Let me think. 20, if I was born in 1974, I was 27 in 2001, right? Yes. Yeah, so I knew. I was in New York, and I was on methadone, and I was buying heroin, and I didn't want to get clean. And, like, Sometimes you see people like there's some people who are 27 and get clean and I'm sure you know a bunch of people yeah. around your age. How do you think I mean 27 you have 2 years so you got sober when you were 25. Yeah. Do you see a lot of people around that kind of situation? I don't. Um I mean there's I a few. I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't close. There's, there's a few, you know, um it's funny cuz that NA meeting that I went to I used to go to that meeting, that NA meeting, like before I truly, when I was still smoking weed and there was people like similar age at the time who had like three, four years clean. And when I went back, like a couple of those people had actually relapsed and they had like less than a year, which was surprising to me. But like, that's, that's the scary part. Like you hear it all the time. You hear it all the fucking times, like people with time, like they go back out. Well, you know, the thing that I keep hearing about and, and I'm hearing a lot about it because uh, our audience, you know, is obviously a ton of addicts in and out of recovery. Yeah. And the show, you know, is almost seven years old. You know what I mean? It's right. just about seven years old. And I'm going to get if I 
don't fuck it up. I'll get seven years in August. Um, and I st- we started the show when I had like four months. So like, I'm hearing about all sorts of people relapsing, and and obviously we've heard about a ton of people dying. So like, yeah. um, I think it's incredible. Like, I don't think relapse is uh, as long as you don't die. You know, as long as you can start over, it's like that's that's the place to be. And like, and I used to resent young people for getting sober um, because I think it's funny, but also because like it's annoying to me like that I couldn't do it. But I'm I'm very happy that you that you're doing it, and also you're helping people, you're yeah, sponsoring man. people, yes. and you're and you're working in the field where all that shit can be of use. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's crazy because being able to now like I still work at that same place that I was counseling at um, when I was. Did using. you cop to it to anybody? There? I did. I did. I admitted to to um, you know relapsing even though it wasn't really a relapse because i was never sober you know but i admitted to going back into rehab and they were understanding and they said you know uh listen you still have the the clinical knowledge you know and they let me stay on in a different role and you know today i get to do that job like truthfully like and i get to do it like the right way and and be be true to myself and be true to other people, which and you, is cool. And you had the trial by fire. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. And so, you know, a year in, I went back to school to, to n- the nursing program, like you, like you said before. And, um, you know, I just recently graduated. I'm waiting to take my state test and, uh, you know, I'm going to work in, in psychiatric nursing, you know, and there's, uh, you know, a lot of substance abuse issues in that, you know, so all this experience that I have has led me to, to this point where now I'm able to use that experience to be a service, you know, which is, which is pretty fucking cool. If you ask me, you know, I think it's amazing. We just have to find that guy that, yeah, who is the other guy and the guy you robbed for two grand. Yes. Listen, if you're out there and, and, uh, and a young Jewish man in Philadelphia robbed you for two grand, please write an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I would love to make a (laughs) mention some way if if that's possible. And Evan, thank you for coming on, man. You're awesome. Thanks for having me, man. This this has been a good time. Thank you. So that was Evan Fucking F-gang. With the serious fucking dopey Evgang brought the fiery dopey Robberies Fucking high speed chases Smoking crack And how about Being a drug counselor On drugs Yeah How about being a fucking bowler Oh yeah man Yo I, I could have just bowler? I could have just done the whole interview about bowling This kid is a stud Fucking kingpin He's <laughs> the kingpin no, like he he's probably the best looking bowler that's ever to bowl. Ever bowled. And if he had gone professional, he would be like the Tiger yeah, Woods of bowling. Exactly. Evan. He's so hot. Yeah, why didn't you think of that? You could still do that. Legit. Now he could be the hot nurse bowler. Legit. Legit. Dude, he could have fucking been wow. the Tiger Woods of you could bowling. You have a fucking calendar come out of you with like your fucking shirt off and a bowling ball. Yeah. And then the nurse's outfit. Yeah. Like yeah. fucking glasses, like counselor Look on at, a yeah, clipboard. Yeah. On you the know? beach. Yeah. Gang Baywatch. Yeah. Well, listen, but Evan is a, he's a beautiful man inside and out. Inside and out. And, and, a, and a crazy bowler, <laughs> it turns out. But Evan, he fucking kicked the, the truth to, the, to fucking, the dopey youth. And the crackhead, dopehead, fucking recovered, fucking. You always wonder about uh, the counselors. Like, when does the counselor relapse? And, yeah. you know, like, and you know, counselors are relapsing all over the place. Yeah. The funny thing with Evan was that 
he got this job when he was high. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but we got to give like major, major, major applause to Evan. Okay. And, uh, and this straight Long Island dopey episode has been, uh, it's been awesome. Hold on. I'm going to read. I'll read a Long Island email too. Oh, what do you all, think about all that? All the way Long Island. Yeah. Top to bottom. All right. So this isn't really a proper email, but I got this email from this woman, Nicole, and she writes, she writes, uh, is this a New York based podcast? I've been listening for a few months now. I'm an ex heroin addict who did some fucked up shit and made it through to the other side. Love your content. And I wrote, yes, thanks. I live on Long Island. And she wrote, I live in center reach. I stole over $25 from target in Farmingdale in 2007. Finally made it to the other side in 2018. I want to start a podcast so bad. My sister-in-law, Lisa and I, it would be so fun. And I was like, huh? 25 bucks. $25. I was, I was like, I, was like, I just stole you. $25 last week. <laughs> yeah. no, and then she writes, Oh, sorry. $25,000. Oh, she stole from target. Shit. Dude, do you steal now? Yeah. No, ever. No. And did you used to? Yes. A lot? Everything. Me too. I used to love stealing, man. (laughs) Stealing was the best, but I don't steal either. Me neither. But, you know, I did, I did, uh, accidentally quote unquote. No, no, no. I, I like, I stole, I, I didn't, I, I, I used to steal every time I went to the store. Yeah. Like just cause it was fun and it was value, you know, (laughs) all that. Um, and, and, and it was Nora's birthday and I went to the bagel place and I didn't have any money. And, uh, you know, it's hot bagels. It's cash only. So, oh, yeah. so I went to the ATM and there was a $20 bill sitting in the ATM. And I was like, thank you, God. You stole. <laughs> no, I'm so, so I took that. And then and then something else happened that was a little shady. I don't remember. But it was like it was on the fence. I mean, and then, what are you going to do if you find $20 in the ATM? Though? I told like, the story. Is this? I told the story at the meeting and people were like, I should have given it to the fucking dude. Dude. To the to the hot bagels, I was like, yeah, right. Oh, I was like, you're kidding me. I think I might have told the story on Toby, but me? I'm, I'm gonna tell it again. So then the next day, we go to Target. Me, Nora, Susan, and Nora's friend Lucy. We're shopping, whatever. We throw a bunch of shit in the cart, and uh, and I buy a bunch of shit. And when we get to the car, like we had. You know, we had a bathing suit we didn't pay for. We had a ball we didn't. It was like underneath the bags. Uh, it was, no, it was underneath their winter jackets. Uh, wait. We had we, they had because ta- they had taken their jackets off when we walked in because uh, it was hot in there. They stuffed them in there. Yeah. Like that is <laughs> that's high end, high end twelve year old <laughs> shoplifting. Um, no, and then we were at the car and there were like all these things that we didn't pay for and I brought it back in because I'm not fucking stealing at this point. And you paid for them? No, I just didn't. I was like, I took these by mistake here. I don't want them. Wow, you're. You're a good guy. Wow, that's what I want you to think. Yeah. So that worked out. It's working uh, out. Um, what about the fucking uh, shopping cart? You bring the shopping cart back? No. You don't? No, now? Yeah. No. You don't? You still don't, no. That's that's next level. I don't think, uh, you know. You don't think so? You know what? You think you know there's what? some idiot that needs to do that <laughs> and you're depriving him? <laughs> I swear job. to God, the people that, and, and, and shout out to all the people that deal with the shopping carts, they're deranged. They're scary. Yeah, a lot of them are, yeah. They're yeah. like scary. All, I don't know where they find, but everywhere you go, the shopping cart guys are like looking a little. They're talking to themselves. Yeah, looking a little. Scary. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, I think it's probably a job qualification Listen, at that point. anyone in the Dopey Nation that's, that's wrangling shopping carts, please. Write an email. I'll give you socks and send a pic. Yeah, and a pic. Yeah, and a voicemail. Yeah, <laughs> and a voicemail. Yeah. I have the greatest voicemail. Well, I have a good voicemail, but I'm going to save it for the next time Jay is save on. That. Jay, thank you for coming through. 
Oh, it's Dave. been a, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Now, when you listen to the Evans story and yeah. you heard that robbery and you yeah. hear me go, "Oh my god, oh my god," huh, <laughs> are, do you do you respect me less? Or you're like that. That checks out. That checks out. Right. It's like, oh, Jewish. That was the Jewish dad word well, right there. I'm, I, you know, that was an oh my have, god. You're, and you've kind of benefited from me being the Jewish dad for sure. You've enjoyed this process. Enjoyed it. All right. Fully. So we say, stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Fucking toodles. I wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find and I wanna be good so bad wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad bad desire's all I ever had damn it, all these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had and these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had